podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation Once again, the world's greatest Star Trek podcast I'm Matt I'm Andy And I'm not trying to back out of that agreement Keiko knows Keiko knows We have the best show And she's not backing out of the agreement that we have with society it kind of it kind of rings of the uh, the world's greatest comic magazine, the uh, the Fantastic Four. Uh, yes, yeah, that moniker. We just slapped that at the top of this episode. It has a it has a bit of the the, the Stan Stan uh, Stanley hyperbole. I mean, look, you're looking for a comic. You're out there. You see at the top of that thing, world's yeah. greatest. You're like, sure. oh well. Wait a minute. I mean, <laughs> I've been reading this dumb Superman. <laughs> I don't need that. <laughs> Uh yeah, Deep Space Nine last season of ep- season last episode of season one. I didn't realize we were just coming upon it like that. Yeah, we're here uh, saying goodbye to the first season and and its and its growing pains. Uh, not as bad as TNG's first season. That's for sure, as far as I'm concerned. Uh. I agree. And, you know, certainly not as bad as Star Trek Picard Season 1. That's a, that's a re- even more valid point. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's interesting comparing it to TNG because TNG, in some ways, not in some ways, I would say in most ways, was more bravado. They, like, took bigger swings. Mm. They obviously had to establish the universe more than, than DS9 does. Um, um, and, uh, I don't know. It is, it's impressive how, 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 how big the swings were they took, how, how like they were just like, let's just do this. Let's, you know, I don't know. It just feels, it feels like a, a little bit more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Audacious. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and DS9 is more as we've said in various forms with the western and with the premium tv feeling it's more like we're gonna we're gonna do a televised novel of star trek we're gonna be more detailed more subtle more quiet more right um, i i think it's interesting to watch the the, this has a lot the first season of deep space nine has a lot of my least favorite things about science fiction Oh really? Like what? Yeah, just meaning that it can't. That when science fiction gets like talky and quiet and a little preachy, yeah, I get a little yawny and like you know, well, come on, yeah, 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 I get it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it is. It's definitely talking and quiet. I would argue that the preachiness is cut by the fact that they are so ambivalent about a lot of the issues that they raise. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I. I I think it's interesting if you look at 
or if not the, ambivalent, then they show the different sides of the argument. Yeah, if you look at like, especially in this first season, they're like all these like moral dilemmas. I mean, particularly this episode, even yeah. where they're like, "Oh, you can't teach science without teaching uh, Jesus," right? <laughs> and it's like, "Oh God, I just I watch I watch thing TV to escape from reality. I don't need to be reminded of it constantly." That's fair. This is this is definitely an episode where it's more on the nose you know it's it's prevalent it's even more relevant today than when it was made it's crazy how much more relevant it's america is just racing backwards oh we can't wait to get there (laughs) go woke go broke uh all right anyway let's do the thing that we do normally here which is this okay andy would you have them watch this episode Season closer, introduction of that mean lady, sure. <laughs> the mean lady. <laughs> uh, Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Yes, but that's because there's more Keiko O'Brien. <laughs> TNG's favorite botanist. <laughs> now teaching kids about wormholes. All right, let's do the I thing. thought you were going to say TNG's favorite malcontent. I mean, you're not wrong about the characterization of Keiko. She is written in a way where she's, I mean, almost every time we see her, it's... I might argue that she is the angriest character in Star Trek lore. I think, (laughs) I think even even compared to Khan, who has a title named after his level of anger, seems a little bit more chill than Keiko. (laughs) Look, she knows what she wants, and she knows how she wants to get it. Uh, (laughs) True. (laughs) Let's head over to the Admirals Club. All right. Go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, and join the Admirals Club. How do they get into the Admiral's Club, Matt? Well, you head over to Apple Podcasts. You leave yourself a five-star review. Don't leave it for yourself. Well, I mean, you know what? Treat yourself to a five-star review of yourself, but then also review our show. Five stars. Write whatever you want. You're in the Admiral's Club. You can do this in various uh, platforms wherever you get your pods. Andy uh, claims Twitter's a valid source now, and I don't. I don't know what's going on over there anymore. I mean, I don't know. I, whatever, whatever you say, but but you got you got to got to be your main feed. It can't be like it, a reply. Well, that doesn't uh, get us anything. Uh, we don't know actually because I feel like it. Uh, Who knows? They're not, Maybe even, they're not even stripped out anymore. I feel like it's like you see everything. Whatever the and case, be, be creative. And uh, you know, I got a perfect example of someone who is incredibly creative right here, David Sahawatana. Fantastic name, my friend. Uh, I would love to know what the origin of it is, um, if you choose to. Uh, hey, Andy, uh, I don't know why someone hasn't tried this before with the new expanded Admirals Club entry criteria. I left a reply on a Nerdist Facebook post plugging the pod. See attached. Oh this is David God. S. The uh, what, year, what year was that reply from? <laughs> this is pretty recent, I think. No, but I mean, like that post, what would it have it's so? Oh, that's a, that's a valid You don't think it's still kicking? Have- from I, you know, I talked to Hardwick last night uh, on the phone, and yeah. to my surprise, he hasn't been doing the podcast for like the last year and a half. Not even the new version. 
No. For, you're saying that? Huh. Yeah. Why not? Busy? Uh, yeah, he has a kid now, and uh, that sucks up a lot of uh, time and energy, certainly. But he also, you know, I don't want to speak for him on the pod here, but, like, we did 10 years of that show, and then he did the other version for another couple of years, and it's like, now there's so many podcasts out there, it's just, how do you separate yourself, and how do you feel any different than anything that's already out there? That may be doing it as good, if not better. This is a complicated question. And then I, I said, you. why yeah. aren't you the best Star Trek podcast in the country? And then before he could answer, I said, because you're not me and Andy. <laughs> you showed him. <laughs> and did he shed a tear, that billionaire? Yeah, probably, probably. <laughs> um, let me ask you a question, Matt. I think this is mm. a fraught question I'm about to ask you. So feel Great. free to just dodge it let's, let's see how it goes if you and i were motivated mm-hmm. and focused yeah and did constantly attack ourselves would we be hardwick no 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 you okay. need you need you need you need an extra an extra ingredient <laughs> an extra trait that we're missing yeah, yeah i don't know if that's you know generic handsomeness or uh, another gear. Ingenuity? Sure. I mean, he's a he's a brilliant he's a a brilliant uh, entertainer, like especially from a business standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely don't structure this show to be crowd-pleasing as much as we try. Yeah, I mean, it's not like the general public outside yeah. of our listeners are in the market for three and a half hours about <laughs> 35 year old tv shows that we are mostly critical of highly yeah. critical of. Yeah. hey you know that thing you're tuning in to hear us talk about let's make we you feel l- bad about it we like it but here's why we wouldn't <laughs> this is the we're kind of the opposite of the talking shows mm, it's true <laughs> i don't know if we're the opposite uh, we're a failed version. Anyway, this is what, um, or are we the best? Sahawatana says, um, interesting to see your full name. Uh, so this is what he posted in the Nerdist mm. thing. If yeah. anyone misses Matt Myra from the Nerdist podcast and is a Star Trek fan, you should check out his podcast, Star Trek The Next Conversation. Matt and Andy Secunda rewatched all of TNG, first time for Andy, and are now watching DS9. They're covering Enterprise, Voyager, and Picard, and their Patreon also. Come for Matt Myra, stay for Andy Secunda, as they host the best Star Trek podcast right. around. Five That's out of five right. stars. Now there's that a guy. Is a review I can stand behind. He's getting his hands dirty. He's being a, being a genius. Uh, five one. out of five stars, and I believe there's a weed whacker outside my window. So if you hear that, I'm sorry. And uh, my air conditioning's on because uh, it's that time of year again. Uh, I don't believe I can hear. If it's if I can hear, it's very light. And now I don't. Th- I think this is a different one because this is this is a different uh, entry because this is David S. Mm-hmm. Um, who says the Oscar for best nip- nipples goes to? If you're looking for a concise love fest of Star Trek. This is not the podcast for you. But what? if you're looking for an entertaining, enjoyable podcast that dissects episodes of Star Trek, ponders the questions everyone has wondered, and gives you updates on a random guy's nipples with fun sound cues, 
you come to the right place. Welcome to the Admirals Club, guys. Uh, it's good to be here. My nipples are also grateful. <laughs> uh, that's it for the Admirals Club. Well, let's get out of here and head to a different room. You know, I've always pictured most of this show happening in the saucer section. I'm just saying that out loud. Just Where the the Admirals Club and the President Circle are in the uh, in the saucer yeah. section somewhere. Yeah. And the Admirals Club, by the way, I don't know if you know this about the Admirals Club, but it has no space windows. It's a fully interior room. The President Circle has. Oh, it's got beautiful windows. Right. Somehow, maybe possibly even better than, than 10 forward. Oh, thousand percent. All you got to do is be deck 12. (laughs) (laughs) I like to imagine that there's a section where it's almost like a glass bottom boat and you can just walk over space. You know, there's a, if you look at the, at the Brit, at the, at the, sorry, at the saucer section of the, at the Enterprise D, there, there are, there are a couple of windows that are like almost floor to ceiling looking. Yeah. Just from the outside. So, you know, maybe that's where the president's circle is. I don't know. Point is, we got to exit here and go into a new place. The United Federation of Planets President's Circle. Ah, yes, the president's circle. It's a great place. You know why? Why? Because because we do more podcasts in there. It's true. So many podcasts. But hang on while I take a drink because I have a thing in my throat. Andy, tell them why the present circle is good. Hang on. Oh, I mean, you know all the content you get here that you're you're feeling like maybe this is a little too much. Well, we got more. We got uh, now now that uh, Picard's over. I think we we're, we're gonna do a, we're gonna do a recap, right? Our our sort of end of Picard. Sort of. We're gonna do a recap this month. Uh, answering the uh, the hail bag, we're going to be. Hey, you know what we did over there is uh, we decided to do a live stream of the last episode of Picard. I don't know. Right. You're welcome, everyone. Yeah, we slash didn't... really thank you all for being there. In keeping with the theme of us not really helping ourselves in any way, it was the day before. <laughs> we day announced before, it very the day late. before, <laughs> and so we maybe got two extra viewers anyway it's there it's up there you can access it anytime you want if you want to see our dumb mugs you want to see us getting a pointless argument halfway through you know that is uh yeah there's a couple of those a couple of classics i would say classic classic us not fully understanding what the other is saying and getting real mad but that's true. But the the one at the beginning that people thought we were having an argument, we were just like, oh no, that's that's a normal oh. uh, yeah, that's Andy, not even, Matt that Andy debate. That's not. Yeah, that a, wasn't even included in my thought of like what our arguments were. And, and then halfway uh, through, we both got so exhausted that we were arguing over uh, I don't know, misunderstanding or I don't, guys. The uh, point is, we're very passionate about Picard season three. <laughs> is that what it was? <laughs> Uh, and head over to Patreon if you want to hear that. And uh, I will say, I think there will be more uh, live streams coming Ooh. In, in whatever form that might take. I think uh, certainly recording some podcast episodes live is a way to go. And uh, maybe other things. We'll see. We'll see. Point is, we're going we're back paying, to. We're, we're, we're paying a lot for Crowdcast. We might as well use it. <laughs> 
<laughs> We're going back to uh, Enterprise again this month, correct? Now that Picard's off. Yeah. We're going to get back to the uh, but, two enterprises. You know, it's, not off, it's not off that long because buckle up, everybody. Here comes June. And guess um, what happens in June? Is that Strange New Worlds? Strange New Worlds. Oh, exciting. So we're going to be doing a couple, uh, two, two enterprises. Uh, you, we, the, join the Patreon at the lieutenant's level guarantees your DS9 to a month for the public, for you, the public. The, the the enlisted crew. They voted to give the general public more episodes of Deep Space Nine. You're welcome, everybody. Those decent lieutenants on the ship. Anyway, um, anyway. don't even don't even don't even worry about it. All I'm saying is, Andy and I, uh, as you know, even listening to the show for a while, we've uh, been on our own writer's strike for a little while here. Uh, which is to say, we have. Uh, been you know, personally I've, it's been longer for me I've, i haven't been working and that's been my own version of a writer strike You're he welcome. was on a self-imposed writer strike yep for the betterment of everyone in our profession probably <laughs> <laughs> uh point is uh, my job is this podcast please help every month actually not every month every ds9 episode <laughs> we award a christopher pike medal of valor um, to someone who goes above and beyond, uh, and he picks it out. He sees it. He spots it like he's uh, like he's Beverly Crusher on a targeting scanner. He just finds it and hits it right on the head and goes, "This is the one." What is it this week? Kevin Kirchner, Kirscher. Sorry, uh, we'll have to rewrite that on your award. Says hi, Andy. Good news. Matt can further bask in the glory of TNC being the top Star Trek podcast, according to Patreon. You guys are the first not only podcast, but any type of content when you search Star Trek on the Patreon search page. Mm. Currently following DS9 on the main pod, never seen it, and also watching season three of Picard alongside each week is convincing me to graduate to the lieutenant level this week. I noticed when signing up, and I couldn't help but laugh to myself a little bit. Kevin. Kevin, you get it. The Patreon search algorithm gets it. We're the and best. Then giving uh, another one. We have a lot of sound this week for you it was guys. Like, outside sound. I wonder if Patreon knows, like, as far as how many hours of content is put up every month. We got to be in the top 05 percent. It seems like we would have to be right? all of Patreon. Yes. <laughs> so they're like they're they, we're up top because we're value for quantity. Just sort of that's a. Someone's knocking. Hang on a second. Okay. Hello? Oh, hello, Henry. It's Henry. Henry's coming in. Is his birthday party coming? Because the other one, the, 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 the blue one popped. The blue balloon popped? Yup. Was it the number four balloon? Yup. <gasps> it popped. How did it pop? <laughs> there was a little hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was made a pop. Hole. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I, I was in it so hard that it popped. Oh my goodness! <laughs> but, oh, are you coughing now? But how, but how about you could get off the rainbow balloon? The rainbow balloon? Yeah. Oh, there's a rainbow balloon. Yes. Oh, you mean the four that's in the hallway? Uh, yeah, I mean you could cut it off with some scissors. Yeah, I. You can. Hillary could do it too if she wants. Yeah. Alright. Oh. Okay, bud. Take care. <laughs> oh, it's balloon talk with Henry. 
Is it his birthday or? It was his birthday on Sunday. I'm sorry. His birthday, his real birthday was Monday, but we did the party on Sunday. His real birthday was Monday. There you go. Happy birthday, Henry. Four years young. He looks, he looks like a million bucks. He told me that when, um, when he's a hundred years old. Yes. He wants to be woken up 100 minutes later than he currently is woken up. When he's 100 by, years old. Yeah, by Dory and I. And I did not have the heart to tell him that we would long be dead when he turned out. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen with science. <laughs> that is true. Science is pretty tricky. <laughs> Look at Picard. Spoiler. That's, oh, man, I'd love a golem. Um, me too, but I want the actual golem. Um, what the hell were we doing? Uh, your kid—he—he he threw the whole thing off track. He did. <laughs> that is the one advantage of this podcast. It is unthrow off trackable. There is no track for it to be thrown off of. Nope. Uh, anyway, you gonna, said there are a lot of sounds this week. I'm gonna give another. Uh, oh, I—I I think I already. Uh, oh, so now I'll just ask: Did we play this, Ben Plavin? Uh, every time I go through the hells, I'm like, wait, did I get to this one? Ben Plevin sent us your reaction to Rick Berman's story about the surgeon not knowing none of visitors' ridges were makeup. That's uh, TNC bullshit. Did I play that one? Let's find out. I'll listen to it again. It's a good that recurring one. A, uh, like a bullshit. <laughs> Whoa, sorry. That's that seems uh, like a bullshit. <laughs> Uh, that's a funny way to say that. <laughs> Thanks, me. Um, and then we're in the hails proper. Uh, that means we're not in the hails proper. No, sorry, we're not in the hails proper. We're in the priority one messages. <laughs> Thank you. Good God, I was going to say, it's a very slow week over here then. Yeah, no. Priority one message. God, that was so loud. I hate that. That was so channel. loud. Why is this computer so loud nowadays? When Jordy fixed the ship, he How made dare it real you? loud. Major Barrett's voice could ring as loud as she wants. It wasn't Major Barrett's voice that was the problem. It was the alert beeping. I see. That was very loud in my ears. Okay. Myra out. Uh, If you could play Matoween, please. I sure can. Here we go. Hey, Matt and Andy. This is Matoween. How's it going, guys? Oh, hey, okay. uh, just having a nice Fine. chat with uh, Chat GPT tonight, and I asked it to describe the duet episode on Deep Space Nine. Mm. Did a pretty good job until it got down to where it was describing the Kalanora syndrome. It said it was a rare and painful disease that only affects Cardassians who were involved in the occupation of Bajor. Says the disease of was a result of the trauma they experienced during war, and it causes intense guilt and remorse. It's <laughs> interesting. It seems like it only did that for Maritza. Anyways, I did ask it to also describe that episode in the form of haikus, and here's a couple of the ones that it gave me that I really liked. Maritza's secret. Kira seeks truth and justice. Guilt lingers like mist wow and then another good one was memories haunting Kira uncovers the past 
gold are heel revealed. Mm. And I guess my favorite one, past crimes haunt present. Maritza's disease revealed. Bajorans seek justice. Wow. Anyway, appreciate the show, guys. Matt, I'm disappointed in you. I thought you would have a little more praise for that episode. <laughs> one of the best, I think, ever in Star Trek. At least modern Star Trek. I know. Have a good one, guys. I, I, everyone, everyone... Yeah, you're gonna get a lot of way more up on duet than I was, and uh, you know what? We're not gonna agree on everything all the time, guys. Sometimes I'm gonna like things that you all think are very stupid. Look, this guy's not Hardwick. He's, uh, you know, he's not uh, he's not here to sell the the show or uh, or keep everybody uh, happy about it. Uh, He's here to say his opinion. I'm not here to run an orderly business. Well, there's also that. He's not here to run a successful business. <laughs> not here to be popular among the general populace. I am here to talk about Star Trek and to no end. Really. You know, what's interesting to me is ChatGPT succeeded at the artistic side of it and kind of made mistakes in terms of the actual information part of it. You know, it's funny. I was t- I was I've been playing around with ChatGPT quite a bit lately, and I asked it to break down the Cheers pilot uh, as it relates to the three act structure, mm. and it does a pretty decent job, but it gets some things wrong each time. And like at the the first time, it told it said uh, that Carla was Sam's love interest. <laughs> huh. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I wonder why the com- why the machine thinks that. Yeah, that's a very strange. And then the other thing I've been doing, I'll tell everybody about this. I've been, I've been, um, I figured out the chat GPT is really good at cutting wrestling promos, which is to say, uh, <laughs> you know, whenever, you know, a wrestler has that minute in front of the it used to be like talking to Mean Gene sure uh, in front of the WWF banner or like you're in the ring and you call out somebody anyway the chat GPT is pretty good at it Yeah. so I asked it to cut a promo as Stone Cold Steve Austin at the height of his popularity calling out the Borg Queen and challenging the Borg Queen to a fight at Wrestlemania and it spit out <laughs> the following statement, which if I ever get a hold of Stone Cold Steve Austin, I'm going to have him read this as a real promo. Uh, here it goes. Stone Cold Steve Austin stands in the center of the ring, a microphone in hand. As the crowd roars with excitement, he takes a deep breath before starting his promo. <laughs> really sets it up. Yeah. Listen up, you sorry pieces of trash, Austin uh, says. Do the voice. Do the voice. I don't have a Steve Austin voice. It's a little do, gravelly. but Approximate it. I don't have a Steve Austin voice. Oh. I'm trying to give it a little something. Now I feel embarrassed and I've, this bit is dead to me. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I've been hearing a lot of talk lately about some Borg Queen saying she's the baddest thing in the galaxy. Well, let me tell you something, Borg Queen. I ain't impressed. You may be able to assimilate a few punks here and there but you ain't never faced nobody like stone cold the crowd cheers in agreement as austin continues 
So here's what I'm proposing, Borg Queen. You and me, one-on-one at WrestleMania. No DQs, no holds barred. And when it's all (laughs) said and done, you'll be laying on your back, looking up at the lights, realizing that resistance was not only futile, but it was damn sure stupid, too. Austin takes a swig of beer, (laughs) smashing the can against his forehead as the crowd erupts into cheers. So what do you say, Borg Queen? Are you going to step to the plate and face the toughest son of a bitch in the galaxy? Or are you going to tuck your tail between your legs and crawl back to the Delta Quadrant like the coward you are? The crowd cheers as Austin drops the microphone and raises his fists, ready for a fight. Now, what terrifies me about that is, first of all, the wordplay <laughs> of the futile is fantastic and perfectly in keeping with his voice. And the fact that he says that he's the baddest thing in the galaxy. Well, like the fact that he did that, that off twist. in the Star Trek shows. <laughs> yes, they say world. Yes. Or universe. Oh, so true. Um, yeah. And that he he, uh, he correctly lands on uh, Delta Quadrant is uh, is just so amazing. I'm saying you know, it's, that it, he lands on Delta Quadrant is amazing. Oh, it's 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 truly a, a spectacular promo. And I found that the promos get uh it's better like the more you give it, the better it can turn it out. Yeah. Like if you want to imbue anything with emotion or or whatever, you just, you know, just set it up, tee it up for the chat bot there and it will it will spit out <laughs> some truly fascinating stuff, but we are just not long for this world. Like our our professions are uh, you know every, what, every version of our professions is is uh, but but human but beings need, in general need, as soon as the singularity need. happens Look, robot masters, no. I'm no. I'm on your side. I'll do whatever you need me to do. <laughs> I'm yes, I'm on your side. First uh, of all, I prefer not to be a human masters. battery. If that's but, if that's and if it's an option to do something a little bit more like my regular life, that would be great. I'll say what I'll say out loud. I don't. This actually has calmed me about AI. In oh, interesting. That, yeah, because AI can only get what you put into it. Like, I knew that it would be funny to hear Stone Cold Steve Austin. Right. Call out the Borg Queen in a wrestling promo. You made the dichotomy yourself. Yes, right? I you pulled that all the, in the contract and told it what to do, and right. then it just. But it is organized pretty, it for me. It's pretty crazy that it was that the beats were that comedically sort of sound. Oh my god! I did. I did. <laughs> I did. I did three promos earlier. Uh, where and this is gonna. I don't know if anyone listens to this that half enjoys wrestling but I said give me a promo where David Brent from The Office, Ricky Gervais's character, is managing Becky Lynch Uh uh, in the WWE uh, yeah I said said that and it wrote one that had some Gervais-isms in it that was, was, it was good and then I was like okay now give me one where Worf is managing Rhea Ripley calling out David Brent from mm. the previous promo. And then it built on that. And then right. I said, give me one where Jim Cornette, a real wrestling manager from the 80s and 90s, okay. is managing Bailey, another wrestler, right. and calls out both Worf right. and David Brent. Right. <laughs> and it spit out this... 
it, it, it like I'll read it because it was that it was like that funny to me that it spit this out. Hang on. Uh, sorry, everybody. In case you're wondering where the rest of the show is, what's I mean, what this is doing is basically offering everyone an opportunity to create their own interest niche as like as as minute as they want. Right. Well, and here uh, it was, was explaining. What's this, what's the the Japanese game uh, Kingdom Hearts? Is that a thing? That's the Disney game. Yes, where, and yeah. that's the way that was described to me. Sort of almost felt like this, where it's like, ah, hey, you see these obscure anime characters. Suddenly they're interacting with Mickey Mouse, and you got like a whole like they're basically throwing all the things that you would love into one thing. Well, here here here's Jim Cornette's promo. Jim Cornette stands in the ring, microphone in hand, with Bailey by his side. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce you to the greatest superstar in the history of professional wrestling, my protege, Bailey. The crowd boos. Oh, I know you don't like her, and you know what? She doesn't like you either. That's right. Bailey is the ultimate heel, and I'm the genius behind her success. The boos grow louder. And then here he goes. Now, let me tell you something, Worf, David Brent. You think you got what it takes to manage a real champion? Well, let me tell you something, boys. You couldn't manage your way out of a paper bag. And as for you, Worf, with your Klingon honor and all that nonsense, you couldn't hold a candle to Bailey's ruthless aggression. And David Brent, well, let's just say that if you were managing Bailey, you'd probably be too busy playing the guitar to even notice she was getting pinned. The crowd laughs. So let me make this clear, Bailey is the only champion, and she doesn't need anyone else to succeed. But if you try to get in her way, let's just say you're going to regret it. <laughs> <laughs> but also, it. also the stage direction, when it, when it had Worf be Rhea Ripley's uh, manager, it, this is how it set it up. The camera pans to Rhea, Lip, Rhea Ripley standing next to Worf, who is dressed in a sleek suit with a Klingon emblem on his lapel. Sure. It's like, it's so funny to me that it just... He's making like, it a wrestling... Uh, oh, and he, and, he, and, he, and he says Kapla in his... He calls out David Brent. He goes, so David Brent, if you want to face us in the ring, be warned. We are not here to make friends or to entertain. We are here to win and we will stop at nothing to achieve our goal. Kapla. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it was, yeah. Anyway, so Chad GPT. It's a, it's a hoot. If you, if you can put good stuff in, you'll get good stuff out. I'm terrified. Yeah, um, all right, what are we doing? What are we doing? Let's get back on track. I don't want to. I don't hold uh, any responsibility for the length of this, even though hey, I am Matt, certainly going to be seventy-five percent responsible at the end of this. That was Matt Tween's fault. <laughs> I see. That's fair. He brought up Chad GPT, and I was like, "Well, you know what?" Okay, this is from DP Strand. It says I knew him from something big. Max Groden chick. Uh, hello, Matt and Andy. I love the podcast and finally caught up after two years of listening. Welcome. Nice. Uh, I don't know if it's been mentioned, but I saw Rom in a 90s classic film not too long ago. Um, and then uh, this was sad. My father's in hospice. I've been spending a lot of time with him watching some of his favorites. This includes the 1992 hit Sister Act with another Star Trek alum. I love Sister Act. You, you've said this before. I got to watch it. No, you don't. You're not going to love it. It's not going to have any intrinsic value for you because you have no nostalgia for it. I see. It's it's not going to be of any quality where you're going to be like, I see what Matt enjoyed about this. 
You've explained you, this before. You'd have, to, you'd have to go, I see what a 10-year-old in Catholic school enjoyed about this. That was the that was the appeal. I mean, it was, and it was, like, you know, the music was good, and, you know, I just, I saw it so many times as a kid that it just has this, like, you know, it's got this, like, little special, little special spot. Was it, uh, did you have to wear a uniform? Did I? Yeah, in school, yeah. <gasps> I never knew that! That's a, a fantastic detail for young for 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 Myra babies for the Myra babies show. <laughs> I guess for I the mean, TNC I, babies show. I wore a I wore a uniform through high, the end of high school. I was I had a tie on every day. Wow, that is really a fantastic throwback. I, um, I, could, I could tie a tie with the best of very fast. Sorry to interrupt your story about your father in hospice uh dave <laughs> in the beginning whoopi witnesses a murder from her until then boyfriend who killed i think his driver for being a snitch or something well the whole time he's talking to the snitch i am thinking i know him from something and then it uh, clicks because it's max groden chick who obviously played rom did you process this yes hmm? i would well have I processed it recently? No. I went to his IMDb page to look through some of his other roles, and he was quite the journeyman before and after landing Deep Space Nine. If it hadn't been mentioned, I thought it would. I thought that was pretty cool. Keep up the good work, and thanks for reading this if you get to it. We Dave. got to it. We got to it, thank Dave. thank you for writing into us. Um, and for enjoying Sister Act. Uh, agreed all around. Duet and me, Marcello from Marcello. Marcello Vida. Long story. Uh, long story. Feel free to edit if of interest. Duets was the first DS9 I saw on TV. Same for TNG Timescape. Uh, growing up in Brazil, uh, the OS was always on TV and pretty popular. But for whatever reason, no one bought the rights to TNG uh, <laughs> and DS9. But because nerds will be nerds, me and my friends used to pay a a guy we found on a magazine who would tape the series and send us VHSs every four and six weeks with episodes. Uh, anyway, four to That's six cool. weeks, I said that is. Anyway, because nerds will be... Oh, I already read that. Uh, uh, same friends and I blew, few, uh, flew to Los Angeles in 1993 just to be there watching Jurassic Park on opening night. Some of my best memories that trip. A few years later, I ended up moving to NYC where I still live. Uh, now another American lost in the big city. Uh, sad to say, I've been rewatching DS9 along with the podcast and didn't remember this episode at all, uh, although I really enjoyed it. Go figure. Marcello Vita, President, Hydra fame. You're not the president, Marcello, but thank you for joining us. I don't know what Hydra frame is. Why would you fly to Los Angeles for the opening night of Jurassic Park? What? was it that made you do this were you a huge fan of the book were you a spielberg head it must have been spielberg right would you could you not just could you, maybe you couldn't get enough dinosaur in your life look at that moment i'm curious it's like if you if you are as excited as as obviously i was and i assume you were about spielberg and then you're like it's gonna be fucking dinosaurs <laughs> holy shit <laughs> you know you would have been like i was well, you know Less so, because he, he was not coming off a good string. 
No, but it sort of didn't imply that it was going to be kind of a return to form just based on the presence of dinosaurs. I mean, also, yeah, dinosaurs. They looked real, and it was. I was like, wow. Well, you're about to launch into your take after the movie. I'm saying before the movie. No, I mean, uh, no, in the trailer you see dinosaurs, and it's incredible. You like, didn't I was, feel... Yes, I was excited for Jurassic Park. Yes, yeah. 100%. But was I excited enough to fly to Los Angeles at <laughs> opening night? No. You know, it does raise an issue of, like, there's some, there's some things that I think, like, for instance, the Picard finale, I was like, you know what? I should have looked on craigslist or something i should have should have somebody was probably selling a ticket for a little too much i should have done that um there was a uh there was a reading of hateful eight with like all these you know famous people uh and quentin tarantino before it came out because it had already been leaked and i was like i shouldn't pay that much for that but it's like Look, this is my Taylor Swift, even though I would love to see Taylor Swift, frankly. Um, you know, I should just uh, spend the money to see these nerd things. So I kind of respect him for springing for it. Uh, I, I admire the tenacity. Mm-hmm. So, you know. But I'm curious as to what it was about Jurassic Park. Well, that, Marcello, that inspired that. Feel free to follow up, Marcello, and answer. Like, what if Marcello? Question. What if Marcello moved to Los, moved to New York, and currently works at the Museum of Natural History, and is their resident paleontologist? Like, you're thinking that there's was, just an extra dinosaur element to it. I'm just like there. No, but there's there's an extra element. Yeah. There's something we're not being told. Some piece of information that will help yeah. us fill in the blanks. Maybe Marcello is one of those dinosaurs from the Voyager episode, those humanoid di- humanoid dinosaurs. You know, when I see when I see Tippets, it's fu- it's funny, Andy. I'm gonna allow Thank you. you. Know, I really appreciate you. Good reference. I don't I don't want to like because I realized that I had started a sentence and I'm like he's gonna think I didn't hear him. I think <laughs> you, I you know how many it. times I have to go? Didn't find it funny or he didn't hear me or he's not paying attention <laughs> one or the other? And I just like, all right, that's my life. Someone, it's like that's why I'm lucky I have you guys. Somebody out there will laugh. Um, it wasn't really a good joke. It was sort of just saying, hey, what about that? Those that episode? It's <laughs> really all that was. Chat GPT would have done much better with that. Uh. <laughs> Whenever I've seen the test footage of Phil Tippett's stop motion. Oh, I've never seen it. Like the stop motion T-Rex and yeah. the stop motion. I'm like, I can't believe they were going to do stop motion. This looks so bad. Well, and I'm like, a, I'm curious if there's like a, a lot of that. A lot of that T-Rex that stuff is see. practical. Yeah, I know. But there's also a lot of it that's CG. Like, for instance, it running. Yes. And that was what they, you know, the the Phil Tippett dinosaur. Like, it was the best looking stop motion I'd ever seen, but it also was stop motion. And it looked yeah. like stop motion. Right. I love stop motion so much. A stop motion really may be the heart of why I want to be a director. I think, as I'm sure, as I've said before, there was it was Star Wars and it was Claymation, the Will Vinton movie. Because um, I was just, my mind was so blown that somebody had moved those things one frame at a time. I think, you know, that you don't have the patience for that. I did it when I was a kid. Yeah, but you, I think as an adult, 
as an well, adult, as an Andrew, adult, you do I not have the patience. <laughs> I'd like to say I don't have the time, but I do have the What time. are we shooting tomorrow? 30 seconds? Okay. I don't know. I get pretty obsessive about about stuff like that, which is why it's unfortunate that I haven't been more of a movie maker in my life. Um, someday. When I'm 90. So if you could play duet response, please. Sure. And then we'll listen. Hello, Matt, Andy. This is Brent Williams II from Azusa, California, living in Bern, Switzerland. This is what I imagine your voice is the greatest episode of at least one of the greatest episodes of Star Trek because it doesn't make sense. See, (laughs) the guy, Maretza, he had a plan. And he didn't work it out as good as he maybe should have, but he was broken. And he needed to make things right. And so his solution involved plastic surgery and lying about a disease, but then saying he didn't have the the disease and pretending to be a dead guy. It doesn't make sense, but um, that's life. uh, That makes it believable. See, that's what happens when you have um, a war with severe, with heavy war crimes, but you don't have a Nuremberg trial afterwards to... To show the world what, how bad everything was, and that's what the Bajorans lacked, and this episode helped address that. I'm a huge fan, and uh, yeah, talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> I look. Uh, I appreciate the ideas behind it and what they were doing. Beyond that, though, I don't know. I don't. I'm not. Sh- I'm not fully sure what it was that didn't full that didn't really connect with me. I mean, yes, I got hung up on nerdy things like how this. There's this is such a specific disease that can only be caught at this one moment in time on this in this one place. Yes, yeah. there was that element of it. The confusion over his actual plan. There was a little bit of that. And then, what closure was he going to get in his mind? What was he? What was he? What was he hoping would happen? I mean, his stated thing is that he thinks that it's going to somehow give closure and 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 create change in Cardassia. But as a Cardassian, unless and obviously there will be more that I will find out. But from what I've been presented so far, I don't know why he would think that it would create <laughs> any closure, right. so or change in them because they're kind of pigheaded. Um, I mean, they're snake-headed, but, you know. Uh, another really great joke. I'm really on fire. So, um, <laughs> the, uh, so, I, so I don't know, but I think that falls in the box of, you know, he's all messed up. It's, he's so right, right, overwhelmed right, right, with right. guilt. And, uh, Zachariah Seville says, Good afternoon, Secunda, and a rakish grin to Myra. Listened to the duet over Easter and uh, was very surprised by Matt's reaction to what I saw as minor issues. Almost felt like a role reversal where Andy would normally tie himself in knots over something innocuous, like how the trill work, and Matt just tells him to let it go before it ruins the experience. Uh, I was essentially yelling the same advice back at the podcast. A specific disease that bothers you? What WTF are you talking about? Get over it. You like you. Andy was right. It's not a threat to the imagination that a notorious death camp on Bajor with a specific mining incident could nope. cause a notable unique disease. Nope. 
Nope. Maybe Kalanora could be caused by another mining incident. Um, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to have other hells on this, so I'm going to skip on past this. If it was other mining, like if if there was a known disease that came from a particular kind of mining accident that has happened previously in the history of Cardassians and also happened at this Bajoran's uh, work camp, uh, then I would be more on board. Well, the example he gives is, I'm sure that many have already sent in examples of localized diseases, but hearing Matt's uh, complaints made me think of disasters that are aftermaths. One could take the Bhopal disaster in India in 18, Bhopal. 1984. Bhopal. Bhopal. My apologies. Uh, where meth- methyl isocyanate gas leak mm-hmm. caused tens of thousands of deaths and injuries. Um uh, with specific symptoms, or you can look at the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1945. Uh, Japanese would refer to that to the collective casualties, mostly radiation, burns, and poisonings, as hibakusha, uh, literally a person affected by the bomb, as another. Does this, yes, but yeah, both of those things. If that same chemical were introduced, then everyone would get that disease again. Like it. What do you mean? This, I mean, there's no indication in the show mm. that whatever this disease is can happen again or has happened previous to it. Well, why would that be necessi- necessity for your issue? Because if a highly toxic gas of methyl isocyanate actually happened again, we'd mm-hmm. all get we'd all die the same way. Okay, but what you is know that? What I'm saying why does that make it a less legitimate thing that it was the only way that they could get this? You're saying, you're I'm you're saying, saying that that because that gas would give you the same thing again, right? I see. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't like methyl isocyanate cyanate poisoning is not something that could have only happened at the Bhopal disaster. Well, I haven't done the research on this, but to Ensign Santos, uh, no lines in lower decks, says, uh, I came here looking if someone already posted this. Uh, there is a real-world instance of a disease that happened in this one location due to an unusual chemical being released into the environment. And he linked to Minamata disease. Again, that's the same. It's a, it's a it's a chemical. That's okay. a different. That's an explanation. This is not an explanation. This mining accident is not an explanation. Also, guys, it's fine. It's totally fine. Well, Sean Daly asks, has Matt ever been this wrong before? And oh, Matt, probably not. You know, every once in a while it'll happen, but not Dan Ryan's follow up to that is not since his stance on rye bread, which I agree with. Well, actually, that wasn't that long ago, so maybe I am wrong a lot. Uh, Knickknack Tabasco says, meh, because he's sort of more on your side a little bit. Meh, had nothing to do with good with sci-fi. Good acting and writing, but this isn't what I come to sci-fi looking for. Allegories are fine, but I need something novel thrown in. I didn't get one with this. Maybe if Q had popped in and done the Judge Q robes and hat and done some, let's see what really happened magic. Feels uh, too early to be bringing in Holocaust genocide allegories and not dressing them up with something ds 90 Um... And then Marger, uh, Marger's counter thought is personally, I think it's part of what makes DS9 stand out as something special. Do you feel the same way about The Wire in season two? 
um, which was all in the docks. Um, and I did not like the the wire season two as much, although I appreciated that they were really going deep on uh, on the specifics. And then John Zhu says, DS9 does a really good job of not just building a sci-fi world, but letting its characters actually live in that world day to day rather than just going on adventures of the week, chasing some sci-fi MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. Uh, FG, Kira's high-waisted uniform enthusiast, says, I did not have Matt as a Galatep truther on my bingo card for season one. <laughs> Uh, seriously, though, what I love about this episode is how it gets to the optimism of Trek. The idea that we don't need to hate our enemies is right in line with the best morality tales of TOS. On the Discord, we've been talking about how New Trek we- leans way too hard into the Manichaean good versus evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and having an episode like this uh, where even a hardliner Bajoran resistance fighter can understand that not every Cardassian is guilty. Well, it brought a tear to my eye on rewatch. It also opens the door for a lot of Kira having to work with Cardassians in future episodes, which is something I always look forward to. Um, I don't disagree with any of that. Um, Lieutenant Commander Molay, Historical Archives Division, says, Look, I get how TV works. They were done with the story, hit a resonant closer, and then did hold a pose to let the significance sink in. But that ending violates every sense of internal consistency in the Star Trek universe. Some guy has just been stabbed. Not uh, just stabbed with a knife. Nobody hits a communicator badge and says medical emergency. Nobody calls Bashir. Nobody even moves a, to put a hand on the wound to staunch blood flow. They just stand there and look mournfully at the body on the floor as if the guy's brains had been blown out. Didn't we see doctors actually revive shortly dead people in TNG? This closing shot works at the end of West Side Story. For me, it didn't work in this episode of Star Trek. That is an excellent point. I think I said it, and I and I certainly agree no, with no, it. No, no, it's better coming out of someone than not. <laughs> this is truly an excellent better. point. You are so astute, uh, dear listener, for having uh, noticed this. And that's very funny to me. It should have been a phaser blast or disruptor blast to the back. Um... Because yeah. the thing the, the thing that detected weapons was already taken out. But even if it was a phaser blast, couldn't Beverly have... Oh, no, that's on this one. This episode is the is the one where the weapon scanner on the promenade is... is yes. Turned off. Yeah. All right. So the previous episode that has an assassination by Bajorans. <laughs> it's two in a row. I hadn't thought about that. These Bajorans are assassination I crazy. I can't stop thinking about it. Colin Holbrook says, Trek attracts many personalities, and one notable distinction seems to be an emotional empathy. Not saying one or the other disposition is better, just different. Uh, IDIC, etc. Do you know what the IDIC internet slang is? Or is it something else? Unless it's a typo. Uh... For those with shields up, the plausibility of certain aspects may pop out as more salient and relevant. Uh, for those of us with particular shields down, this is a masterpiece. Uh, infinite diversity and infinite Oh, there it is. Got it. I, I actually, I had the description below that. Um, I, I myself looked it up, but I didn't. I thought it was part of another hail. It's them, um, it's them, it's them crazy Vulcans, you know. Right. Um. 
Yeah, I agree, Colin. Uh, Archer Palms, what temperature do you think Odo is when he's a liquid? Room temp. Yeah, that seems reasonable. I think he's always room temp. So whatever unless the room he's is. Been, unless he's been running, then I think he's warm. He's a little warmer. <laughs> this is a good question. Does he Does he carry the physiology of the thing? Like if he's pretending to be a human and he starts running, does he get hotter? What if you, what if, what if he never didn't turn, what if he never had a chance to form back into Odo when he pretended to be a glass full of liquid and you drank Odo? I would imagine it would be kind of like he could blast out of your stomach like Drax. Cool. Or would you just pee him or crap him out? (laughs) Uh, Are you a changeling? Write in. Let us know. (laughs) We ask the important Star Trek. (laughs) Best Star Trek podcast in existence, guys. Uh, uh, Archer Palms also says, regarding the start of the pod and Trill Talk, um, this is going into all my questions. This is Archer's take. When a person is remembering an event, they aren't actually remembering the event. Memories are not 100% reliable because every time we recall them, we change them slightly. As memories are recalled time after time, the details are lost or misremembered. That being said, are trill memories reliable? Emotional memories, I feel, are corrupted the most by replaying them in one's head. Also, they are colored by one's outlook. Take, for instance, a parent whose child grew up to resent them. If the parent felt they were a good parent, then did nothing wrong. They that did nothing wrong. However, the child's perspective is more. <laughs> this is a very slanted uh, take. The child's perspective is more accurate. Would the incorrect belief in their parenting skills still be something uh, a new host would be adamant about being true, or would the host that comes after be able to view these memories differently based on their life experience and background, or would the opinions and viewpoints of the previous host carry over? For a more For more technical memories, like being a scientist, pilot, or engineer, would these really be accurate enough to to duplicate the skill for a future host? A dancer or pilot is muscle memory. A new host would not have unless they put in the hours uh, in the craft that the previous host did. Would a scientist not actively working in their field of study remember all the details and nuances in a new host? I worked in the EIT field for many years and remember very little. I sold tickets to cruises more recently. I do not remember all the ins and outs of that business. I sold mattresses for five years and remember things about the brands, but not individual models. For the symbiotes, uh, from the symbiotes POV, picking up all these life experiences would make their relationship with the Trill very beneficial and fulfilling. Um, I don't think the skill sets inherited by future hosts would be applicable to many fields, especially the further back uh, back in time the applicable host is I don't think many of the skills and knowledge would warrant a fast track in Starfleet it may help them excel at their job but not so much they'd fly upward through the ranks of command I do think if they continued in a field of uh, a previous host had experience in however they would get very good very quickly at that skill I don't I guess it based on what we're seeing from Dax thus far, or from um, Jadzia thus far, that's reasonable. I don't like that. What's the point of being a trill then? You, you, you're not you're not learning the things that the other person, the other the symbiote had inside of it. You can't remember it. 
What's the point? Why be a trill? Why are they everybody fighting to be a trill then? Hmm. And I understand the thing about muscle memory, but I feel like it's it's a little bit like, you know, if it's the I, I know kung fu thing, then it's like, you know all the moves. It feels like you could learn it pretty fast. And Jadzia being Jadzia, from what I've seen thus far, she would have like, oh, I got all these combat skills. I should brush them up. Anyway, that's my take. But I certainly say that what we've seen in the show thus far would support what you're saying. That It's like there's some reason why they're not, you know, just Matrix-like people that have a billion skills downloaded into their heads. That's fair. But I don't like it. Anka Gold says, For me, a nerdy historian, this episode is so clearly a reference to the Eichmann trial and the old misconception slash distortion that he was, quote, just a bureaucrat. Uh, it has been proven that he was very committed to the genocide of Jews. Also, this episode did not age well, and the decision to redeem the Nazi-slash-German uh, war criminal seems weird. Today, the guys doing this type of filing in a concentration camp would be implicated in genocide and could stand trial. In 2015, the so-called accountant of Auschwitz, Oskar Groening, was found guilty of complicity in the killing of hundreds of thousands of Jews. Um. Yeah, this is a problem in an otherwise, to me, moving and fantastic episode. Um, I think part of the reason it lands where it does with Maritza dying is mm-hmm. he's not supposed to really be redeemed. Uh, I think that it's implied that he is sort of redeemed by Kira's reaction to his death and and her not, you know, kind of aggressively going against him uh, at the end. But um, so it's like making the distinction between Darheel and Maritza, which there is a distinction, obviously, but I do agree with the the, the critique that it's like, if you're going along for the ride. But ultimately, in a way, isn't it greater punishment to him not for his plan not to work uh, yeah I think that's true not that his crazy plan would work anyway but yes I think that's true and I also think that the 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 implication is unlike the other people you mentioned uh, who would claim the same Anka uh, Murta is consumed with guilt um, and that's why it sort of is moving as we're sort of taking at face value that he really, you know, he's gone, he's going so far that he came up with this insane plan to punish himself. Um, so, uh, but that obviously doesn't excuse what is being a collaborator with war crimes. Um, so it's complicated, but I certainly think it's a 100% valid point. Chris Klochner says, okay, so now that we are to the last episode of season one, I'm curious as to whether Matt still thinks this season as a whole isn't good. I didn't write them down, but it seems to me that more than half of Matt's ratings were above a five until we got to this last stretch of meh episodes. Recency bias of meh. Yeah. So you're saying you don't like feel... The, the, the meh here does leave a taste in my mouth for the first season that is the same as when I first watched the first season. 
Yeah, I mean, duet would have been the one that reclaimed it. It certainly was was a was a hit for me, and it didn't work for you. So, mm-hmm. and you don't seem to seem that high on this one that much either. Or am I wrong about that? Uh, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Crispy Trek says. For a guy who hates spoilers, and he sure spends a lot of time seeking them either by outright asking for them or by perusing a website designed to literally expose, uh, designed to expose literally every reveal of a universe. He really pulled a secunda. First of all, I don't think that's pulling a secunda. I think I have a lot of things that I do wrong. I don't think that's pulling a secunda. Nonetheless, a lot of people wrote in about this. A lot of people tweeted. Uh, yeah, I screwed up. I looked at the wrong piece of information in my interest of how the storytelling would go in the future. Luckily, I did uh, not remember it. Um, but I did remember that there was something about uh, Neela. So at the point that they started to make the turn in the show, I was like, oh, I screwed this up for myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'll try to avoid it in the future, guys. Uh, Neil Studd says, given I'm watching at a Matt slash Andy pace, I was almost screaming at my earbuds when Matt asked Andy to check whether the character was listed <laughs> as alive or dead. So apparently it was a joint, uh, it was a joint uh, experience. Um, wait, is she dead? I don't even remember. No. No. Yeah. So that's not a spoiler. I think he was just sort of saying that I was. Gonna, I guess the fact I was going to dig into the facts. Arrested, <laughs> yeah, right? Micho and Miriam Quark's uh, Quark is Latinum Gold Pressed says uh, is is uh, asking for walk hard bonus pod. Oh, I'd, I'd love to. I mean, you, would? you know, actually, actually, I would. Would? Oh, he said it. He said it. He said not, it. It's not as fun to do that with comedy. <laughs> Okay. Like this kind of thing. It's not as fun to do it with comedy. Um I mean, sure, that's why we're that's why we haven't dug into uh lower decks. Yeah. Um I know a lot of people came out in defense of masks. I don't remember exactly what we said about masks other than generally making fun of it, but uh just giving a little hat tip to that. Uh let's see. A lot of masks apologists out there. John Zhu says, regarding the logic holes in Maritza's plan, I've always thought about them as, one, it's a desperate plan by a desperate man, and two, he knew there were holes in the plan if someone dug deep enough, which is why he set up the surface-level ruse of... Ruse? Ruse? Of, for the Bajorans to find, and why he went out of his way to antagonize Kira. He was trying to bait the Bajorans into a swift trial and execution without digging deeper. And it seems that if it were left to the Bajorans, his plan would have gotten him the show trial he wanted. Of the three Bajoran characters who crossed paths with this case, Kira probably would have shot him the minute she saw him in sickbay. If she could, the Bajoran minister demanded custody of him, and the drunk killed him. What Maritza didn't count on was the Federation forcing the Bajorans to tap the brakes on their delivery of justice. Um... Also, Odo can't be MVC when he let a rando drunk Bajoran stab the guy right under his nose. Why was Maritza even allowed to casually stroll down the promenade when a day earlier all the Bajorans were ready to see him hang? More evidence that Odo is a better investigator than he is a security chief. Again, in this episode, the same thing. 
Oh, no. I mean, it doesn't help that it's back-to-back. Get it together, oh, Back-to-back no. uh, Bajoran assassination plots in the promenade. Yeah. Tristan Luth Robbins says, reflecting on duet, something I genuinely miss from the TV show is restrained use of incidental music where you can sustain and ground a scene, such as the Maritza Kira scene, with almost no music. It's so well crafted, it's so well handled here, and the punch that's delivered when Maritza begins to break down with a subtle strain of strings is so perfectly done. Unlike watching Picard and other new Trek, where uh, most moments of quiet drama are bludgeoned to death, with death with overwrought scoring or sounds sound forges womp ba bum bum wonk <laughs> um let's see uh david s i read a big thing from you so uh, but uh basically he was talking about the other disease happening the hiroshima and nagasaki which matt had had his his counter thought on um, my immediate thought of several illnesses that combined equal Kalanura syndrome into one versus one specific illness. I also considered resulting illnesses from the use of mustard gas. Mustard gas is a good one. Agent Orange, that is also yeah, a good you'd, one. Yeah, but you'd get and it white if you phosphorus. work in a mustard factory that didn't have good ventilation. Is that true? Or are you yeah. just guessing that? No, you would. See, it's mustard if gas. If, if there's gas off of mustard, it's it's going to do the same thing. See, I don't know if that's the mad effect. You're just saying I guess the problem confidence. the problem is that I I, I uh, cared while I was watching that episode, but don't anymore. Yeah. Well, everybody else does. I know, but like, I'm just like you guys are like. I mean, you're preaching to the not choir, but like the. You're preaching to the parishioner who's uh, sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not in the choir, but I'm sleeping and I don't really. You guys go ahead. Have fun. This is how he backs out of arguments that he feels like he's, he's being too beset with. No, I, 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 it's, I'm happy to admit that I'm, I'm in the minority here. Like, you know, I feel like I'm in the, I'm the only one that was very bothered by that. But in retrospect... <laughs> I'm no longer bothered by that. Meaning, um, like, I don't care. <laughs> regarding Maritza, sort of in general, as I'm skipping on down, but like his plan counts on the Bajoran need for vengeance, outweighing the facts that Gull was off world during the mining accident, and even the fact that he died, which he could play off as being faked, that he is Darheel. While Maritza's breakdown is powerful and effective, it doesn't erase the fact that he spoke quite proudly of Maritza's commendations when he was acting like Darheel and did a good job of filing. Just following orders is still being complicit and being just one man doesn't mean that he didn't have some level of power to stop or slow things down. At minimum, he deserved to go to trial and not just let go by Kira. Solid episode and really moving. Uh, I agree with that point. NC Chris 1701D says, so far as the military accents, let's see if there's anything different here. You can compare it to recent occurrences like Camp Lejeune in North Carolina, Red Hill, and um, with water being contaminated, burn pits with bases in Iraq, Afghanistan. Some old references would be Navy Blue Water veterans who experienced nu- nuclear tests. Matt's overall thing is if you can get it anywhere else, then it 
it, that's what shakes his. It's not the smoking gun that everyone thinks it is, is what I'm saying. Um, yeah. Get it. So it's really what? just about the why, it's why about it the sticks plot, for It's you. about the plot convenience of it. Yeah. Um, um, which is like. Here's the thing about the caption issue. Uh, this is from FG again. Oh, yeah. Whether, whether it was from a uh, Cardassian newspaper. So I'll see, see if you had a counter thought to this. Yeah. have to add, uh, FG is a, is a librarian, apparently. I have to add that as a librarian, the caption discussion had me yelling at my phone. The photo came from an archive, and archivists do provide captions for items in the collection, including people in the photo if they're known. Sometimes they aren't, and the captions will just be something like, unnamed construction worker. I'm pretty sure there is a line about most photographs and other evidence being destroyed. So this is one of the only remaining bits of documentary evidence available. It was probably sourced from an archive collecting items related to the occupation, maybe doing oral histories with survivors, etc. So it was whoever cataloged this thing's fault? I guess so. (laughs) Oh, what a day to mess up on the job. Kobayashi Maru... All About the D says, uh, the one thing we're kind of not acknowledging is the Cardassian penchant for theatrics. Why roll in as a lowly filing clerk when you can alter your appearance and achieve maximum impact portraying the Butcher of Galatep? A lot of people said this. Charlie Short. It's kind of making me really look forward to to these interactions with the Cardassians, just being grandstanders. Um... Charlie, it's such a it's such a funny trait for a Star Trek species. <laughs> um, Charlie Short says, so I'm not sure I can make this concisely. Okay, this is more just uh, Vietnam, Cambodia. I thought of Cardassian. Oh, this is just more of the the about the Cardassian occupation. Uh, I never thought of the Cardassian occupation as a purely Nazi allegory. I think there's a lot of Vietnam, Cambodia, as well as Ireland, North uh, Northern Ireland. I always felt like the organizational messiness of the Cardassians was more like the American involvement of Vietnam than the insanity of the Nazis, if that makes sense. Again, I don't want to say much more in regards to spoilers. Uh, You have a war society involved in something they don't understand, dividing a people and not bothering to understand the culture they are involved with and not actually knowing what each party is doing. I'm not a Vietnam conflict scholar but have taken several classes and read quite a few books which is why i think the comparisons strike me the way they do so all the plot holes that set up the back and forth between kira and harris yulin don't bump me at all this is sort of it's sort of an interesting question of like when you're doing a long-running series and your interest is as star trek's is to have allegories and um you know have them be a lot of morality plays it sort of will back you into a position of being like, well, are we going to play a little fast and loose on what, say, the Cardassians represent and the war represents with the Bajorans? Um, so, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, for me, whether they stay consistent or they're a little bit bendable. Mm. I feel like even what we see in Picard kind of is sort of like wait I thought they were saying this earlier and I'm not going to get into it but so um, is that a spoiler what I just did no because I really don't I can't even oh, there put you my go. finger on what you're mentioning or right. what you're referencing rather 
Lieutenant John Chataway, Garrick's Taylor Shop Gold Plus Latinum card member. Nice. Uh, might I suggest adding yet another segment to the saucer section, the Badmerals Club, where Andy chooses a few less than five-star reviews to read. I picture this club somewhere in District 6 of Metallus Prime. Um, I mean, if the words didn't hurt us so much, I'm sure he would. <laughs> I, uh, I'm i totally down for that. It's just the uh, the people who really don't want to be in the Admirals Club, even with a bad review, which you're welcome to do. Um, those those are usually ones that are closer to the the maniacs. They're just like, oh well, this person is barely literate. Yeah. Um, the people who who insult us but at least give us five stars, they want to be heard. So, um, so there's usually a little more craft involved. Mark Wilson says, Andy says this episode is a lot for a nighttime sci-fi show. Because it was syndicated, DS9 could air at any time. In fact, DS9 aired on Saturday afternoons in Cleveland, where I grew up, right before Hercules and Xena. (laughs) That's an even stranger time for an episode as serious as this one. It's crazy thinking about that. What's the right time of day for this episode or duet? 9 p.m.? Oh, that's very late. Maybe 10, maybe even a 10, an NYPD Blue kind of uh, time. Hmm. I don't know why I picked NYPD Blue, but um, I've been heightened. Says big, I've been waiting. You're just a you're just a Franz maniac. <laughs> I do love Dennis Franz. <laughs> is he dead? Is he is he up there in the sky with uh, Susie Jackson? I, <laughs> I I don't believe so. You don't see him around much anymore. He was so fantastic. He'd be great for a lot of character stuff. He's uh, 78 years young, still going. Gotcha. He's probably one of those people who made so much that it's just like, man, I don't need to show up at, you know, 7 a.m. Um, I just want to sleep now. <laughs> uh, Hayden says, I've been waiting until post-duet to make this point that I'm surprised hasn't been picked up yet by our lovely hosts. This show might have been, might have space Jews, but at least it has more than one type poster. It says in brackets, poster is Jewish. Um, so I assume you're saying the Bajorans, who seem possibly Israeli, although you guess you could also argue that they're Palestinian. So who knows? I don't know. Um, can't wait to hear the different perspectives on that statement. But I took both sides. Like a good politician. Um, Beep, boop, boop, beep. Hells us. I think the reason Matt thought this episode was unrealistic is that he can't imagine someone actually wanting to admit that they did and did not uh, just double down again. Hmm. I don't remember. I don't know what that means. Do you know what that means? I think maybe it's just I prefer people to double down when they're wrong. I see. Um, Nicknack Tabasco says Maritza Goldarheel even said I was the very model of meticulous exactitude. I've informed. Oh, so it's. Uh, I was the very model of meticulous exactitude. I have information Klingon, Vulcan, Romulan, and Eventrill. I know the Kaya Bejor, and I play the 
Belaclavion. I am the very model of a modern Galapetian. And then he shuffle stepped, shuffle stepped off to the transporter room in his Cardassian tap shoes. <laughs> that was uh, impressive, uh, both on the writing of that priority one message and Andy's interpretation. I should have prepped more. Of Gilbert and Sullivan. <laughs> I forgot there were that many words I'd never said before. Um, big Citrus. Uh, <laughs> this is in regards to a spoiler thing. Uh, Andy says, sorry, that might be a spoiler. Matt, that's not a spoiler. Andy, okay, good. But what if I were to say this? Matt, no, it's still not a spoiler. Andy, but I thought saying this would be a spoiler. Matt, no, it would only be a spoiler if you said this. <laughs> Bracket says spoiler. Andy, okay, got it. <laughs> uh, and lastly, for the priority one messages, Feckler, a.k.a. Arda, says... Andy, Andy demanded it at forty forty-seven. so one of the Borg catfish will be Secundus of Borg, and I'll eventually be bringing in a troop of shrimp, uh, and they'll all be named Andy. Matt, you're really missing out by not wanting to be in the fish world. Uh, laughy, teethy face emoji. Totally, side note, I have to thank you both for talking about R2D, R2, RDR2 a couple of years ago and inspiring me to buy it. First, uh, I guess Red Dead Redemption. Uh, first video game to ever manipulate me into crying. I don't play a ton, but I'm on my second playthrough, shooting for 100%. Now I can catch up on President Circle pods while hunting for perfect pelts. Cowboy emoji. I mean, if you haven't played that game yet. Is there a game you're playing these days, Matt? Um, what am I playing right now? Uh, it's the it's the baseball season, so I'm in the sort of MLB the show kind of mode. But I'm waiting to get my copy uh, that I pre-ordered of uh, the sequel, The Fallen Jedi, or Fallen Order rather, which is called what is it called? What's the sequel called? It's called Rise of the Jedi. I have no idea. Uh. It's called. Will I get? Will I be able to find? It's called. Jedi's having a great time. Oh man, what is it called? Welcome to Jedi Town. It's it's. You're, I mean, I think you're gonna hit it eventually. <laughs> Wrath of the Jedi. Uh, here's the here's the word I couldn't find. Survivor. <laughs> Star Wars Jedi Survivor. I'm waiting on the, uh, the my copy of that to arrive. Maybe I'll come over to your house and see if it makes me nauseous before I buy it. Why would it make you not? It's I don't not, know. Certain games person. make me nauseous. It's third person. Oh yeah. Oh, then probably won't. Did you play Ghost of Tsushima? Uh, yes. That one's fine. Did 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 you like it? Love it. Love it so Did much. You... It's my dream. I'm a I'm a I'm a Kurosawa right. fan. Well, uh, then I don't think this will make you sick. Okay. It's so weird that you have certain. I know. I wonder what it is. Why not, wasn't science work on that? Wasn't the video game industry the billions of dollars video game industry? You, you know, you got somebody here who's ready to play more games. 
guys, we could be getting upwards of $60 twice a year from this man. <laughs> We've got to figure this out. There are other people who have my problem. Are there? Uh, yeah. There's a, there's a guy that uh, our friend uh, uh, Mark from the show, he has a friend who's an actor, actually, in the, uh, the dinner episode. I believe I could be missing mis- in in the dinner episode of the Goldbergs, in which I am a waiter and I wrote. He is the guy who is at the other table, the the father at the other table when Beverly steals the food, right? And um, he, unless I'm mistaking all this, I believe he is a huge video game nerd, and he has the the thing that he puts on his wrist that kind of yeah. like puts pressure on your whatever. I mean. Yeah, he takes he takes a certain kind of medication. He has a whole system to in order to play video games. I think you need nauseous. to adopt something similar. I did buy the thing for my wrist. It didn't help. Um, and then the drugs, it felt like it was too much, but maybe I'll try it. <laughs> anyway, that does it for Priority One Messages. Correct. As Andy said. And now I will open up the hails. Go back outside. I don't know why. Wrong door. Captain, we are being hailed. I don't know why, but this one I think may end up being the longest hails ever. That can't be right, right? Uh, this is from Aussie Andy. Here's my shit attempt at Matt's accent corner. Don't feel obligated to play it. Love the show. Save me on many a long journey or commute. I do not want to hear debate about the length of the show or splitting it. I was just doing it. Or splitting it into a saucer section. The longer, the better. Well, like, are you getting your money's worth today? The Cheers. higher, the fewer. Ha, ha, ha. Cheers and keep up the good work from one Andy to another. Uh, and then this is Matt's accent corner. Matt's accent corner. It was fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> that's good counterpoint. Uh, that's funny. Uh, and then we have a uh, another. Uh oh. Let's see. I don't know. I don't like hearing an uh oh from the other side of the zoom. I, you know what? I'll, I'll we'll just go through the ones that I know that I have, and then I'll figure out what the other one is. Play Joe from South Dakota. Um. Yep. Yeah. Hey guys, from South Dakota here. Um, calling about duet. <clears throat> um, there was no real Bajoran resistance group as a as a whole. They were all small terrorist or, terrorist organizations. Maybe one person labeled terrorist by the Cardassians. Other people and other cells, but not that many. They didn't necessarily communicate and coordinate. They were terrorist cells. They were all independent, essentially, fighting towards the same goal, but they weren't working together. Um, and also, with that type of intelligence, the, the, Bajoran, the Bajoran intelligence, as it is, did send over a picture, but they're not going to have, like, mugshot photos of each individual commander, they're going to have, oh yeah, this is from the Cardassian archive, what we can scrounge left, because of course the Cardassians wiped everything before they left, but this is what we can scrounge up, it's a picture of them doing this, whatever it was, and yeah, there's there's Maritza, and that's not Maritza, oh, no, there's the guy, 
that's how they got the picture. Obviously, there's not going to be a face-on, like, yearbook photo of all the big-name Kardashian generals. So, I mean, but I've rambled enough. Love you guys. See yeah. Counterpoint, first of all, they're freedom fighters. Unless you're in the Kardashian Empire, then they're terrorists. Secondly, <laughs> like this guy... The other way recently. <laughs> this guy has a statue. Yeah. And a funeral attended by millions of Kardashians. There's more than one photo of him. <laughs> I mean, that's certainly true. That's a that's a very valid point. How, um, else the, how else would the sculptor make the statue? You know. Yeah, I mean, from description. Unless it's a you know live sitting, it's going to take a while though. Um. And now, if you could play, it's mostly hail of uh, uh, voice hails. Um, if you could play newbie. Hi guys, I love this podcast. I just got done listening to TNG Conspiracy. Wow. It's the best yes, there is. I am far behind. I have about 300 more hours to listen to before I catch up to whatever episode you're on now. However, I'm sorry. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, as long as we're going through where I'm at now. Uh, Conspiracy, fantastic episode. Love it. One of the best of season one. Uh... Riker's beard is when the show gets good. Uh, the uniforms two. is when the show gets great. Right. Just to uh, contradict both of you. Uh, so, yeah, I love you guys. Keep it up. And uh, try to uh, not eat so many replicated rations. It's, uh, it'll ruin your taste buds. We were big in replicators back then. That's what our <laughs> I guess so. Mayweather. Godspeed. Here. Earl Grey, hot. Ooh, Earl Grey. Once in a while, I like to good. plant something for a uh, for a listener after they get their three hundred hours that they see their uh, the thing was. Uh, I mean, what will what what will the world be like <laughs> when he finally like get, oh, yeah. catches up? A chat Chat GPT will be running yeah. this podcast ah. at that point. That's true. Oh God, I wish it could. Um, and now if you could play uh, Boyd. Mm-hmm. Hey, Matt and Andy, this is Boyd from North Carolina. I'm a little bit behind. I just finished your uh, episode, The Progress, with Brian Keith. And as I was mowing my lawn, I was listening to it and just getting angrier and angrier at what you guys were saying, no. uh, which made my lawn turn out beautiful. But um, <laughs> at the end of the day, I think you're right. The story itself was kind of mad. But I do have this point to make. I think Picard season one really missed an opportunity here because this guy is a great storyteller and seems a pretty jovial guy, and he's also building a pizza oven. And so I think the mysterious identity of Captain Rupert Crandall is Brian Keith, because what happened after he got off the got off the planet? Maybe he moved to Nefertini and got himself <laughs> a starship called the Inside Straight. Uh, it's just I think the only reason they didn't do it is I, I, think, I think Brian Keith's dead. Uh, but other than that, I'm really enjoying the Deep Space Nine. Uh, tra- uh, arc here, and uh, I'm really enjoying Star Trek season three of uh, Picard. Uh, so, hope alone. you guys are staying safe and sound, along with and prosper. Uh, thank you, Boyd. What about that, Brian Keith, Rupert Crandall? Could I mean, I think he's dead, but he would have been perfect. He is dead, but he would have been perfect. Did you picture him like that, or more of like a Okana, a Rages Okana kind of guy? 
I mean, the Brian Keith version is the version that I would have respected, that would have merited the sure. amount of talking that I would have been doing. Yeah. But definitely, for that family, it does seem like, I don't know, wouldn't Riker... Because Okana's kind of another spin on Riker, so wouldn't he could be like, nah, screw that guy. Like, an older, grizzled, like, Brian Keith would have been the kind of guy that Riker would have been like, I love this guy. Right. So, yeah, I think it's a good call. Um... That is it for the hails. We're finally done. Good God. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Carrie Williams says, is it possible there's a prime corrective? Is it possible that Andy's confusing a soprano saxophone for a clarinet? I cannot paste a photo here, unfortunately, but if you Google photos, some look like tenor saxes, but most resemble clarinets. And then Shark Carbuncle says, just came here to post exactly this. Get your woodwind straight, Secunda. That's it. Uh, My apologies to the band, to the marching band. I don't remember when you had them wrong. Frequencies closed, sir. I don't know. Was I trying to say what what Riker's thing was? I don't know. Probably one of the Marsalises when we did our late night section. Oh, that was what it was. (laughs) That's what it was. Uh, which brings us to the rest of the episode. Can you believe it, everybody? I can't on a personal level. We crossed many doors to many places. Your hands made us think of all your faces. So plug TMC in your little board node. Let's talk about this week's episode. This week's episode in the hands of the prophets uh, is episode 20 of DS9, 19 if you're counting the uh, opener as one episode, which I do count the opener as one episode. So I go against the grain there. Uh, this aired 20th of June, 1993. What's happening in the summer of 93? In the summer of 93, Matthew, uh, the number one song, let's go to... And I'm on an alternative song, which is Pets by Porno for Pyros. Mm. And the number one song in the U.S. remains That's the Way Love Goes by Janet Jackson. Sure. Number one song in the U.K., I Can't Help Falling in Love with You by UB40. Number one movie... You know what it is, Matt? Jurassic it's, Park. That's right. It's be 93, summer 93. Um, Marcello is over here. Bruce uh, that week, singer Ariana Grande. Oh, crazy. Um, Death that week, Spanky McFarlane, Little Rascals. <laughs> Former um, First Lady Pat Nixon dies. Uh, and events, Julia Roberts and Lyle Lovett marry. Whoa, well, that's a crazy, that is such a specific moment in time. Mm. David Letterman's finale NBC episode airs, as does the final episode of Soul Train. Time Magazine cover, sex for sale, an alarming rise in prostitution. Well, then. That's what we were worried about. We were worried about prostitution. I think we should dive in. A little deeper into that late night section. <laughs> I know um, who the guests were. I don't think that's on, it's not on this show. <laughs> it is on this show. 
Is it? It is, but if we don't have it, it's okay. Because Letterman, like you said, Letterman was doing his last late night, so it was probably a star-studded cast that included huh. uh, so many people. We can't no, remember. no, this it's on. Wait, is it on this? I thought it was on Voyager that we do that. We just discussed the soprano saxophone woodwinds, Marsalis. Well, I don't know. Leno. That have... It is this show because this is the late night booking wars period, which is what I wanted to discuss. Okay. Well, Voyager is what's the deal with Seinfeld? It either wasn't sent in or I TNG is Sinatra. Uh huh. You know, it's okay if, you, if we don't have it this week. We don't have it this week. Next week we'll get it. Right. Uh, this episode, directed by David Livingston and written by Robert Hewitt Wolf. According to Memory Alpha, here's what happens. Orthodox Bajorans object to secular teachings about the wormhole in the station's school, causing tensions between fundamentalists and the Starfleet crew. Parenthetical. Season finale. Let's dive in. Okay. Try one. You'll like it. Too early for me. Are you sure? It's so sweet. It's a natural sweetness. From the sap of the Jumjar tree. It's full of vitamin C. Since when did you become such an expert on Jumja sticks? Oh, Neela told me. Did she? Let's say that is a giant popsicle. It's still absurdly huge for an adult male to be walking around. Like, there's no way he finishes that. Between where he's starting to where he's going, he's got to put it on a plate, probably. Uh, when I mean, I'm his... shocked this would be your take on this. This is, like, too much. You so. and I are fucking total gluttons. We would put that thing down. Not if it, like, it looks like it tastes like fruit leather to me. Well, I, I, I assumed in my head it had a savory quality to it. Oh, well, it's too sweet. That's that's Keiko's objection. Well, you're right. Actually, you're right. Now, now, now I'm going back on that. Do you still think it's the right size? I think it's too big. It's maybe possibly Gee. too big. Mm-hmm. So, she working out any better than the last one? Who, Neela? She's terrific. She's even taught me a thing or two. I'm glad to hear her expertise doesn't end with jump justics. No. She's a really good engine. I can't oh, say it, FYI. Man. What? Oh, yeah. Well, you're not thinking. Well, Keiko. Just keeping you on your toes, O'Brien. Oh, very funny. Be careful who you share your jump jaw with. Meow. I like that. I didn't. Uh, I didn't process that. I just like the line on its own. Later, when he's got the flirtation scene with her, he says, "Stay on your toes, O'Brien." Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that was a reference to Keiko saying, "Just keeping you on your toes." That's the fun of Keiko. Good job, Keiko. Anyway, way to go. Wormhole was discovered by Commander Cisco and Lieutenant Dax earlier this year. Does anyone know what makes this wormhole so unusual? Jake? It's stable? It's stable. That's right, Jake. It's the first stable wormhole known to exist. Please, continue. Uh, I'd be like, no thanks. What do you need? Yeah, seriously. (laughs) So intrusive. Oh, I guess this is all she's part of a, her plan, though. This is all part of her plan. She doesn't care what they're actually teaching. She's a religious a person. She really timed it well. Very important because it allows us to travel secure in the knowledge that neither end will shift locations. Who knows why this wormhole is stable? 
because it was artificially constructed. Commander Sisko encountered the entities who created the wormhole when Excuse he went- Excuse me. By entities, do you not mean the prophets? Yes, on Bajor, the entities are worshipped as prophets. Our studies of the wormhole have shown that it was formed by unique particles we call verderons that are apparently self-sustaining in nature. This begins to explain how a ship at impulse can safely pass through without... Ships are safely guided through the passage by the hands of the prophets. In a manner of speaking... Not apparently in your so manner. Like laying hands on a child in the, in the Perhaps class. Perhaps we should discuss this after class. Do you believe the celestial temple of the prophets exists within the passage? Oh, my God. <laughs> I would, I would, I, 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 Keiko's patience is a virtue of a saint. I cannot. I mean, I hear you. And that to this me is. is this I, is right down my alley of like, get the fuck out. <laughs> there are certain personages that you characters that you can't help but see references to and whatever I've always sort of avoided the specifics and I never really processed that this was Louise Fletcher what a casting stroke of genius to cast nurse <laughs> nurse ratchet as this character someone who's superior acts superior to you and is constantly gaslighting and manipulating and speaking in an authoritative patronizing tone to everyone around her it's perfection and she crushes it because you hate her so much immediately <laughs> she really is made a she's just like one of the one of the i mean i can't speak to this character but one of the great all-time villain actors it's a, it's a, it's a it's an interesting thing though like to this brings up the whole religion in Star Trek kind of a thing. Yes. Where you're often it's often categorized as uh cultural uh beliefs which are sort of understood to exist within a scientific framework also. Right. There's spirituality and the science and they the sort of the separation of them amongst all of the Federation worlds uh, seems to be the sort of one of the defining characteristics characteristics of a society that has learned to get along. Um, you know, usually to join the Federation, you need to start, they, you need to have a one world government. Yeah. You know, not, you know, a bunch of countries, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but it does like it does raise the question of what's what is what is religious belief in the year twenty three seventy or whatever the hell year this is, right? Um, it's and very me, interesting. It it's also seems... one thing that's also interesting is this religion or these beliefs are built on like it seemingly partly fact like it's like this thing appeared these 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 uh, orbs exist you know um visions have appeared to to uh to cisco even though he's a he's tech sort of a non-believer it's like there's you know it's not like just like saying that the dinosaurs you know uh never existed like it's like built on things that seem to be have happened and seem to be happening. So, um, 
I don't know. It seems a little different. But also, I wonder in this scene, like, I kind of feel like Keiko handles it, given that Keiko is immediately then comes guns blazing after this. Um, She kind of handles it in a pretty artful way of saying, yes, the Bajorans believe that blah, blah, blah. So she's sort of giving voice to the other perspectives. And I feel like after that, then she refuses to give voice to the other perspectives. Well, because of the insistence upon it. Right. It's just like that. Then it becomes untenable for her. Right. I respect that the Bajoran people believe that it does. But that's not what you teach. No, I don't teach Bajoran spiritual beliefs. That's your job. Mine is to open the children's minds to history, to literature, to mathematics, to science. You are opening the children's minds to blasphemy, and I cannot permit it to continue. Um, what a real jerkosaurus rex, huh? <laughs> Whoopsie dipsy. That should have gone. And go. uh, my friend Robert uh, Hewitt Wolf wrote this. Or, Sorry I couldn't get here sooner. Well, the fusion reactor went down. Your hopeful friend. How's it my going? hopeful friend. My friend that I kind of moronically dropped the ball. Did on. you remember to reinitialize the isolinear coprocessor? I did it exactly like you showed me. Should I test it? Well, I let me. You know, us so, old folks, we like to feel useful. Not bad. Not bad at all. Not bad. You made this look like a CRT television. <laughs> I mean, what is he impressed with the there? The organization? I doubt that. <laughs> Let's close it up. No, not that one. That's a security seal. You need an EJ7 interlock to close it. EJ7? Yeah, it's okay. I have one here. Bloody hell. What's wrong? Well, my EJ7 is missing. <laughs> this just, just really is funny to me because this sets this sets him off on the journey to discover the sabotage on the station. I kind of love it. I kind of love misplaces tools. It's such a great character detail for him that he he is like, now something's terribly wrong. <laughs> I I would never misplaced my tools is like so fantastic it's like of course that's why he's so good at what he does i'm not exactly surprised you knew this was going to happen a confrontation like this was inevitable inevitable sometimes i wonder if we'll ever find the common ground we need to bring bejor into the federation major would you join us We've been talking about an incident this morning at school. I heard. Vedic Wynn's been meeting with some of the Bajoran civilians about it. What do you know about her? She's from an Orthodox order. She has some support to become the next Kai. Probably not enough. The question is, how much support does she have on this station? She is mine. You can't possibly believe teaching the facts about the wormhole amounts to blasphemy. I think some revisions in the school curriculum might be appropriate. You teach a lot of Bajoran children. This is such 
elegant writing, in my opinion. Not to not to pat my my friend who will probably never you know uh, uh, speak to me, but uh, but it's just such like the fact that it's it it, it establishes the stakes and what Vedic one is getting at with like she has support but probably not enough to win it's sort of like it's not doesn't feel expositional she's just giving information it's well delivered and then does she like does she have enough support on the station she has mine and it's kind of like you know it's not a confrontation it's just like yeah i'm on her side she's like she's a supporter of the the religious beliefs and so am i um i don't know i just really like it and the fact that she's like, you teach a lot of Bajoran children, sort of opening up the topic in but a it's like so non-fanatical archaic. way. It's so archaic. It's such a weird thing to pin on Kira. You think so? Yeah, I mean, this, this, the, the truly the separation of religion and education, I think, is sort of integral to a society that will function in the future. But isn't fact, this? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say the fact that the fact that she's like, well, maybe we do need to revise the curriculum. No, the Bajoran children's parents need to send the kids to Bajoran spiritual school on the weekends or whatever. I mean, that's certainly logical, but isn't isn't the idea that to the Bajorans they were under such oppression for so long that you know religion became, as I think they say in the episode, religion became like this, you know. A, a large portion of what kind of kept them going kind of vibe mm, but like there's there should be school and then there should be religious teaching I mean yeah, yeah certainly that and I think that like that's understand that's, a, that's an appropriate stance I think for Kira to take but she's been I think it's kind a of little... a fanatic also not necessarily about the religion, but about defending Bajor. So wouldn't this go hand in sure. hand a little bit? I'm not saying it's. I'm. I agree with it. I'm just saying for the characterization of of Kira. Or are you just saying Kira as a character you like shouldn't have this opinion? I think as a character, I think it's it's an interesting color to give her, one that I think we move away from. But but this is kind of what I'm saying is. They all seem to be experiencing things that don't make this theory. They make it, oh, something is going on that we don't understand, you know? No, but they do. But the problem there is like, well, we do understand it. It's Vader on particles in a stable wormhole built by extraterrestrials. And it's fair for the Bajoran people to see those extraterrestrials as the prophets. Uh... You know, uh, and to put some sort of mythical or not mythical, but like religious connotations with it, explaining things they don't understand. But that stuff has to make way. Science has to. That stuff has to get out of the way for science. Well, that's like as we still, uh, you know, whatever. I'm not going to let a Bajoran spiritual leader dictate what can or can't be taught in my classroom. And maybe we need two schools on the station. One for the Bajoran children and another for the Federation. If we start separating Bajoran and Federation interests... A lot of Bajoran and Federation interests are separate, Commander. I've been telling you that all along. 
Nobody's saying that there can't be spiritual teaching on the station, Major. But can't it be in addition to what's taught in Mrs. O'Brien's classroom? But if she's teaching a fundamentally different philosophy... I'm not teaching any philosophy. What I'm trying to teach is pure science. Some might say pure science, taught without a spiritual context, is a philosophy, Mrs. O'Brien. My philosophy is that there is room for all philosophies on this station. Now, how do you suggest that we deal with this? I'm not sure you can. I kind of like seeing this. I like seeing this color on Kira because it's like she's not she's not even being confrontational about it or manipulative. Just condescending. Is she being condescending? I feel like Vatic Wynn is being condescending. I feel like Kira's I just think, sort of I like, you got your hands full here and I'm not going to tell you you don't. I think there's a color of condensation. Condensation? Yes. She is sweating. A little wet. She's a little sweaty. She's like Odo. (laughs) She's like Odo when he hasn't had his bucket for a while. Uh, I think just in the way she delivers that line to Keiko. I just don't know why you're turning your back on the true faith, Matt. Mm, I mean, that's, you know, I'm, look, I'm all for the prophets. Whatever. They're great. (laughs) I don't care. This is a total side issue. Mm hmm. There's a character, for those of you who have not watched yet, in Picard, if you don't want to know a character's name, tune out, named Vedic. And these are Vedics. Why do you just come up with a different name? I mean, in the long history of Picard seasons, it's not the worst oversight. <laughs> I can't tell you how much I've looked forward to this moment. So creepy. I'm honored to meet the emissary to the prophets. If you'd let me know you were coming, Vedic Wynn, I would have greeted you sooner. I did not wish to bother you with my insignificant visit. I'd hardly call it insignificant. Thank you, emissary. Keeping her in ominous darkness. I wish you wouldn't call me that. I'm Commander Sisko, or Benjamin, if you like. But you are the emissary. Don't you know the cherished place you have earned in the Bajoran spiritual life? I'm not sure I'm comfortable in that role. The course the prophets choose for us may not always be comfortable, but we must follow it. May I? (laughs) Such a funny intrusive thing they all have to do. What's with the... uh... The Sydney Opera House on her head, which obviously other people have commented on. I mean, I assume it represents the three core belief systems in the Bajoran world uh, and their spirituality, which is uh, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. <laughs> uh, it's like, I mean, you know, it probably has some connotation of specific reason to exist but none that I know I wonder if it was intentionally looking like it she cannot be replaced and I miss her deeply it's important to me that we resolve your problems with the school the prophets have spoken to me through the orbs emissary I understand my duty to defend the Bajoran faith the teacher has dishonored the celestial temple if she does not recant, I cannot be responsible for the consequences. Recant. 
that's mm. always a nervous and uh, a concerning phrase to use. Right. Into its plasma flow. Yeah. That still doesn't explain how it got here in the first place. Hey. I'm picking up traces of organic material. Whatever it was, it's been pretty well cooked. Let's take a sample to Dr. Bashir, see what he can make of it. They found a uh, titanium in the conduit, Matt. It's, uh, it's, uh, good, it's good cop work going on here. I gotta go these, piece by piece, put the case together. These are the two you want to be following. Why didn't he immediately go to Odo, by the way? Regarding his well, there's lost a, tool? The, the lost engineer. Well, he doesn't. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. He indicated he was going to fix it. So it was an accident. Well, I guess so. The sheriff has confirmed that the remains were human. I don't know why Odo's not immediately. I'm sure the DNA trace will confirm that it was Kino. I'll have one, please. Unless you're feeling adventurous today. Sorry. We're all out. What? (laughs) What are all these? These aren't for sale. Not for sale, huh? How would you like a jumjust? Is there a problem? <laughs> Damn right there is. I don't have to sell it. Got a little Irish on him. Seriously? It's very Irish. <laughs> Fucking. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Kiko and him are ready to throw down at any, the slightest, the slightest conflict. <laughs> I love their heat. I love their heat. It's just great. Why wouldn't you want to sell to them? Miles, can we go? Let's go. Seek the prophets. Seek you. <laughs> I missed that. I'll seek you. Maybe you're right. I'll seek you. Maybe we've no business here. I, I've been in for a transfer. No, I, I can't run away from this now. Don't you all agree? We could have put in for a transfer. We would have been back on the Enterprise. It would have been sweet. <laughs> you would have had so much less to say. <laughs> Toward me. And I forgive you for it. Mrs. O'Brien, if I've misjudged you, I am terribly sorry. Have I? Is there a place in your school for the prophets? Is it the same kid she's got the hands on? No. I admire you for standing by your convictions, even though I disagree with them. Please believe me. I want to find a way to allow these children to stay in your school. I'm sure the children and their parents are happy to hear you say that. Let me be the one to make the first concession. So great. I will no longer request that you teach anything about the Celestial Temple. Just don't teach anything about the wormhole at all. Ignore it? Find other ways, other things to teach the children. And when we get to theories of evolution or creation of the universe, what then? We'll face those issues when we come to them. Those I'm issues are definitely my a little bit on the nose. My yeah, but that's the wolfy way, you know. <laughs> Is that a wolfy special? Yep. The conduit uh, the relay. On that note, by the way, though, uh, before we get too far from it, mm-hmm. um, just the uh, the Vatic Wind line of like. I think it's Vatican. Just like one must never look into the eyes of one's own gods. It's just so great. It's just so well written and so eerie. And uh, and that that's why it's better that that 
that Cisco is the emissary is just such an interesting hmm. stance. I missed that. Nice job pointing it out. O'Brien called classes off. No, there was only me and four of the kids left. But she still kept the school open. She changed the lesson to teach us about Galileo. Did you know that he was tried by the Inquisition for teaching that the Earth moved around the sun? Tried and convicted. His books were burned. How could anyone be so stupid? It's easy to look back seven centuries and judge what was right and wrong. But the same thing's happening now, with all this stuff about the Celestial Temple and the Wormhole. It's done. No, it's not. You've got to realize something, Jake. For over 50 years, the one thing that allowed the Bajorans to survive the Cardassian occupation was their faith. The prophets were their only source of hope and courage. But there were no prophets. They were just aliens that you found in the wormhole. To those aliens, the future is no more difficult to see than the past. Why shouldn't they be considered prophets? Are you serious? My point is, it's a matter of interpretation. It may not be what you believe, but that doesn't make it wrong. If you start to think that way, you'll be acting just like Vedic Wynn, only from the other side. We can't afford to think that way, Jake. We'd lose everything we've worked for here. You're worried, aren't you? What are you going to do? I'm not sure. But I think I've got to find some help. Um, that's a nice, nice scene. It's a great scene. Uh, love a matte painting. It looks like they have a model or something, or maybe they have a, a two mats because it well, the foreground moves separately from the background. Don't maybe care that it looks multi, fake on a multi-plane system. multi-plane system. Correct. It seems like it might be a model. <laughs> no need to pay tribute to me. Pay tribute. I was just. Usually, when I meet one of Bajor's spiritual leaders, the first thing they do is grab my ear. It's unpleasant, isn't it? I've been far too polite to admit it. I was five the first time one of the monks grabbed my ear. He was a stern old crow who could virtually squeeze the paw out of you with his thumb and forefinger. The paw was a misbehavior. Klingon dish. Well, they spell it differently here. Well, you're you're going with the advantage of being able to read it. Yeah. What does that have to do with anything? I don't know. <laughs> I was his favorite victim. I swore one of my life's goals would oh, it's be not to a do dish, away it's a word. Dark- Klingon word pause, a noun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Means nothing. No one. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, Commander. The Vedic Assembly will not see you. Why not? Some fear you as the symbol of the Federation they view as godless. Some fear you as the emissary who walked with the prophets. And some fear you because Vedic Wind told them to. Oh, we're all very good at conjuring up enough fear to justify whatever we want to do. Today, I am only a Vedic. If the prophets will it, someday I may be Kai. And I can be a better friend to you then. In other words, being my friend now might hurt your chances. 
The prophets teach us patience. It appears they also teach you politics. I really love this. I'm sorry you made this long trip for nothing, Commander. Please, stay and enjoy the gardens as long as you like. I love the character. I love that he's a pragmatist. I love that there's politics, obviously, in uh, within the religious order. I think it's very cynical and awesome. <laughs> But that this guy's that bad a guy. He's like, you know, like I can help you later. I can't help you now because then I won't get elected, and then I won't be able to help you. Um, or I don't know, elected or chosen or whatever happens with the medics. Sounds like elections, right? Seems like it. Someone doesn't have. Seems like support. the people choose. Yeah. Is it my imagination, or are we a little short-handed today? Three Bajoran crewmen didn't report for duty. They said they weren't feeling well. Do you think it's contagious, Major? It's too early to tell. Are your people willing to throw away everything we've accomplished during the past seven months? Everyone knows if the Federation leaves, the Cardassians will be back. With all due respect, Major, protecting your borders is not the primary reason the Federation is here. And it's not why I'm here. I'm here to build a trusting relationship with your people. And I'd like to start feeling that somebody, somebody on your side is giving something back to that effort. I think I've given you all the support I can, short of... It's not enough. I thought there was room for all philosophies on this station. You tell our sick Bajoran crewmen they better get well immediately or they'll recover on the way to their next assignment. Yes, sir. Commander, Dr. Bish. I appreciate that. Um, I'm cracking the whip. Well, you know, he's got a station to run. Sure, sure. He can't be bogged down with bullshit. Although it doesn't seem clear how much you need those other people, given that Kira seems unperturbed and is just going about her business. <laughs> well, I mean, she's just bored. Yeah. You know, she's she misses the action of hiding. We do just run a parking lot in space. That's so true. That's what makes this show not my favorite show. All, she, all you got to do is collect some tickets, you know, charge people. And uh, you also tell people where to park. Right. It's true. And when they can leave the parking lot. Every once in a while, you got to drive a person around and find their, it's sh- a their parking their, lot. Find their starship no because they couldn't yep. find it. We'll hop in a runabout. We'll see which pylon it's on. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Any ideas about a motive? Oh, is it Mickey Mouse? Oh, it's right. so dumb. Then that started the beginning. Ensign Aquino goes to repair a power conduit. One moment, Commander. I'm not convinced of that. But the log. It could have been altered by our killer to cover his tracks. I've checked the turbo lift records the night of the murder. Aquino did take a turbo lift to level three, but not to the power conduit where he was found. Where did he go? Runabout pad C. A runabout? What was he doing at a runabout at four in the morning? Apparently, he was getting murdered. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, with the great zinger right there. That's a great line. I think it's probably uh, the best line in the episode. I think that's fair. Um, except for the one about the gods. Um, yeah. And they're doing it. They're putting together the pieces, all the clues in front of them. 
Who's, uh, the question is, who's going to get the collar on this one? You got anything, Speech? You? Not really. Bajoran and Starfleet officers don't really socialize that much. How come? I don't know. I guess we just keep to ourselves. Well, you're not like that with me. Well, you're not like the others. You know, you don't put on any airs. You're just... Irish. Nice. <laughs> uh, look... Jolly. I'll close up here. Why don't you take off? You sure? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Now, do you okay. think... Goodbye, I'm crazy. What? In retrospect... Is she crazy? She's being pushed into this. Right. Do you think that she is trying to work him? Do you think that she's legitimately flirting? Do you think she's not flirting at all? And he's just uh, hes just feeling his own sense of concern? I don't think she's working him. Okay. I think that she genuinely feels this, and I think this is a way to illustrate to the audience that... Since we know Miles O'Brien and we know all the other Starfleet crew, we know that they're not that different. But the Bajorans uh, haven't taken the time to get to know anyone. Right. And that's why they're not hanging out. I think that's what the scene is supposed to illustrate. Uh, is there a flirtiness to it? Mm, yeah, maybe. Uh, well, not maybe. Yes, there is. So that the line would work. Right when he when he calls back to what Keiko said, right, which she's about to do, yeah. I think the look is flirting. Yeah. On your toes, O'Brien. It's really funny. Really nice. It's just a nice written episode. It's just well written. Just not. I don't think you would. I guess you might see scenes. It's. I feel like things are much more. Um, overt in TNG and things are a little bit beneath the surface on this show. Yeah. Say more yeah, exactly what's going on. It's a little bit Orphanic more literal. Orphanic wins efforts to keep the Bajoran children out of school. Orthodox. In that case, I'll need twice as many Dabo girls. The spiritual types love those Dabo girls. <laughs> I love that detail that the about. more extreme religious types are more sexually, you know, I don't want to say perverse. What I don't know what's going know on with the Dapo girls. What do you know about the murder of Ensign You wound me. All these years together, I thought you knew me. Odo, I am not a killer. No, but most of your friends are true. And I would gladly sell one of them to you if I could. But unfortunately, none of them have taken credit for the death of the Starfleet officer. Sorry. Odo! Keep your ears open. Are you kidding? That's the seventh rule of acquisition. <laughs> oh, a spiral staircase. That's fun. Have we seen that? Yes. This is a security bypass module. You found it at runabout pad C. No, that's just it. It wasn't that pad C. That was as clean as a whistle. Just to be safe, I ran a diagnostic across the board. This showed up at runabout pad A. 
Pad A. Keno never went anywhere near Pad A. It doesn't make sense. On the contrary, it makes perfect sense. Ensign Aquino goes to Runabout C because some sensor shows an anomaly in the security net there. He interrupts whoever is tampering with it and is killed. The killer puts the body in the conduit and instead of going back to Pad C, which might be traced with Aquino's turbo lift log, he changes his plan and moves to Pad A. But what was the plan? Everything else seems normal. I'd guess somebody wanted to steal a runabout. We're not missing one. It's curious. He goes to a lot of trouble to defeat the security net, and then doesn't go through with his plan. School! The Jumja tree. <laughs> My Jumjas! Um, so they kind of are terrorists. See, this is where you get into a weird area. Like, I've thought, th- I've thought, thought of them purely as freedom fighters, but I guess this is just a... Uh, a faction of Bajorans. Well, there are religious extremists, uh, zealots, right? Who uh, certainly could terrorize even the Bajoran interests, which yeah. they're doing here. Explosives, yeah. both easily obtainable. Then we're looking at a simple homemade bomb. One thing I really like that was a nice touch is the uh, the, sp- the space extinguisher that sort of was using something other than what we would think. Really nice thing. Where is Mrs. O'Brien? Her husband took her home. Was she hurt? Was anyone hurt? No. The prophets have been kind today. The prophets had nothing to do with what happened to you today. This was the work of a disturbed and violent mind who listened to your voice, not the prophets. Is the emissary holding me responsible for this act of terrorism? The commander of this station is. May the prophets forgive you for abandoning them. You claim the prophets as your personal constituency vetted win. I love that line, I'm not convinced that's justified. Who do you speak for? An order that's barely listened to in your assembly. So you come here looking for a more receptive audience. Is that what your friend Vedic Varile told you? He's as misguided as you are. No, that's not fair. You are not simply misguided as I once thought. Now I see you want nothing less than to destroy us. Destroy you? You live without a soul, Commander. You and your Federation exist in a universe of darkness, and you would drag us in there with you. But we will not go. You have just made your first mistake, Vedic. Have I? The Bajorans who have lived with us on the station, who have worked with us for months, who helped us move this station to protect the wormhole, who joined us to explore the Gamma Quadrant, who have begun to build the future of Bajor with us. These people know that we are neither the enemy nor the devil. This seems like this isn't that convincing (laughs) an argument. We have some damn good fights, in fact. But we always come away from them with a little better understanding and appreciation of each other. You won't succeed here. The school will reopen. And when your rhetoric gets old, 
The Bajoran parents will bring their children back. It does seem like he's being we'll naive see. here and short-sighted. Um, I mean, he's I mean, just he, flushing out the assassination attempt. He knows it's coming. Does he, he know it's know coming it's at this point? No, he doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe he does. He's an emissary. He's the emissary of the problem. Uh, maybe he sees the future. Old classes tomorrow in one of the small cargo bays, if that's okay. You tell her Jake will be there on time. It'll make her feel a lot better to hear that, sir. Anything new on He has been late a lot. (laughs) (laughs) He's a terrible student, FYI. Wait, what? What? (laughs) On screen. Commander, I've decided to accept your gracious invitation. Invitation? You did invite me to tour your facility. Yes, yes, of course, Vedic. They're speaking a code. Unfortunately, we have some damage on our promenade. In case there's anyone listening that might be (laughs) suspect. Perhaps I can help you clean it up. Can't trust anyone. That would be very much appreciated. When you're deep undercover. I see. I have no way to escape. Then we must accept that as the will of the prophets. Classic. But if I go through so with this mean. now, I will be caught and executed. God has a plan. <laughs> She's kind of a uh... sawy. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's kind of like Price and um, what's his name, the Bond villain guy, Price. Uh, in uh, Harbor? Game of Thrones. Oh, Jonathan Price. Jonathan Price, yeah. I thought you were talking about specifically his character. No, no, I'm sorry. I knew that was confusing. That character must be derived from this character to a certain degree. I mean, I guess there's, there's a there's a long history of these kind of. At this at this point in time, though, villains. George R. R. Martin is busy writing Beauty and the Beast syndicated TV show. Yeah, but he's catching his plans. He's, and he's certainly a big enough nerd to be watching this. Oh, a thousand percent. Display sequences on screen. Right to the promenade. Computer, run a level three sensor sweep of the promenade. Report promenade. any anomalous reading. Working. An escape route. An escape from what? You got me. See, One anomalous reading did- they should immediately be bringing Odo into the loop in this scene. <laughs> as soon as they realize what's going on. There's an escape route. We don't know what's happening. Where are they escaping from? Where you are. Oh, okay. I'll be on alert then. I don't know. I feel like Odo would be able to put it together. Your face processors could possibly affect. All weapon detectors appear to be functional, Chief. The weapon detectors. You're not going to fucking let him know about the weapon detectors? She's good. She's real good. She can make it look like they're normal. It's got to be the weapon detectors. Brian to Cisco. Once our world was a center of learning. And then he tells Cisco, and Cisco doesn't tell him. And you know what the reason is, Matt? Do you know the reason? So that he can jump in in the air like Kirk did that one time? The reason is because they forgot about Odo. (laughs) <laughs> Boy, I walked into that one. I was, that was 
That was silly. <laughs> I walked right into that. It's like they're clapping for the song, which they <laughs> I wish that Cisco's jump was more effective. Yeah, it's totally like it's also unclear. Like, did Neela intentionally miss because she was having second thoughts, or or was it just supposed to be an attempt on his life? I guess he was, they were supposed to take him out. Seems like they would have picked somebody with a, who was a better shot. She's so far off. I wish that in that move he killed seventeen Bajorans. By slapping her hand down. It really looks firing. that way. She shoots down. It's odd that they have her just she's miss. Such a bad, such a bad shot. Yeah, you would think that that Cisco would have stopped her from shooting. I'm going to re- arrest you. From now on, your memory alpha will, will reflect this. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, no one will look ahead and spoil an episode. Now, what makes Kira so certain? Oh, by the way, if you want to go back a second, all the uh, the helpers to the uh, the Vatix, uh all seem like Terry Gilliam and uh, Holy Grail. I thought the same thing. Honest to God, um, that's to hilarious. God. That is hilarious. That was it, actually I was picturing him from um, the Spanish Inquisition sketch. <laughs> yeah, also that. Uh. <laughs> it was all to get him here, wasn't it? The school, the protests, the bombing. You knew that would get him out of the monastery. You did it all to kill him. To stop him from becoming Kai. Get your hands off me. You damn dirty Kira. What what makes her so sure? She's Kira. She's plugged in. She knows what's happening. She senses plots. But if she had yeah. that kind of opinion of Vedek win beforehand... Why would she be so high on her? She said she gives her her support. And then when she sees this, she's like, oh, that's an assassination attempt and Vedic Wynn is behind it. I guess it's because she's the only one with the mo- She's the only one with the motivation. Yeah. Who has something to gain here by murdering the Vedic? Yeah. And manipulating someone on the station. Yeah. Neela insists she acted alone. Unless you want to consider the Prophet's co-conspirators. She'll never tell us the truth. We'll never be able to prove that Wynn was involved. You okay? Okay. I've forgotten okay. I haven't seen okay in what seems like years. Was she ever I was okay? just sitting here thinking. Last year at this time, I was fighting the Cardassians in some nameless swamp if you'd stop by and told me that just one year later they'd be gone I'd be wearing this uniform up here in charge of protecting some wormhole protecting your celestial temple I envied Vedic Wynn because she was a true believer I wanted my faith to be as strong as hers maybe it is That's I've reason. got a report to put together for Starfleet. You ought to get some rest. Thanks, true believer. 
That kind of answers your questions too, Matt. Mm-hmm. She is backing her at the beginning of the episode, not because she's the believer, but because she wishes she were as much of a believer as Vedic went. Vedic went, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. the reason that's that true. she. And that's the reason she kind of goes along with her. And then she's like instantly the truth is revealed at the end. And so she's like, it's kind of sad. That's the buyback. That's why she liked the other Kai so much because she was a, you know, she was both honorable and a true believer. Yeah. That makes sense too. Way to go, Andy. Putting that all together. Was it me? It was my best friend, best friend, Robert. Uh, let's see who is gonna get it shall we one last thing if you go to around 3740 it looks like Laura Dern is uh, in the crowd behind Neil <laughs> I was like, she that is, be. that was viral, viral marketing for Jurassic Park <laughs> she was a little busy at that moment that the MVC? Will it be Cisco, Dax, or Kira Reese? It can't be Worf until season four, but there's a Brian, Bashir, and even Quark. And don't forget about Odo and Borg. What is not MVC? Well, gosh, nobody was really doing their job that well in this episode. It's hard to point it at anybody. Like, even when Cisco jumps to protect her at the end, he misses, and like, she's already got a couple of shots off. Like she, it's just dependent on the fact that he, she misses. Like, yeah. So is she the MVC? <laughs> she is the MVC. <laughs> um, I guess O'Brien's the one who's sort of the most on it, and he's the one who discovers that his tool is missing and knows there must have been a murder because that's the only way. Uh, <laughs> there's something must be terribly wrong. <laughs> um. Who else? Does anybody else do anything? Keiko stands by her convictions. Keiko does stand by her convictions. Um, Kira Not the jump jazz salesman. Kira doesn't even really do anything. She sort of stands up after all the shit's gone down. Does anybody do anything? Uh, I can give it to Chief O'Brien. Yeah, I guess he's the closest. He's like the one who's yeah. pushing for the but truth. It's really, it's really. But you know, being a bad shot. Yeah, he does all that stuff, but then they don't even kind of stop it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there is an MVC in this episode, unless you want to just say Cisco. I mean, the guy, the Vedic. Are we counting Vedic? No. The other Vedic. No. Is there anybody? I'm going to give it to Chief O'Brien. He's the most competent person at his job in this episode. I guess Might be a little a step behind regarding, you know, whether or not his information was effective at all. But that's not his fault. You know, you could say Neela is just because she was doing such a fantastic job before she became an assassin. <laughs> yeah, and then she also missed. She did miss, yeah. Okay, which, which it's O'Brien. Is, which was which is what makes her the most valuable. I feel like this is a besmirched award, but yes, of of the people, she is the most valuable. There you go. I agree. How many Andy's does this episode get? Even Cisco didn't really help in terms of his politicking. 
Um, I think it's a really good episode. Uh, I think that the Louise Fletcher character and performance is amazing, and I can see why she's bandied about so much. Um, and I look forward to more with her. She really is despicable. Um, I think the writing is really exceptional in this episode, just the dialogue and the craftsmanship and the balancing of the perspectives. Um, doesn't come to a very satisfying conclusion in terms of the assassination. And I feel like it could have fairly easily with just a few adjustments in terms of like making it, you know, just having them have an effect on stopping the, uh, the assassination, having being a little bit more competent in the, in the uh, investigation and bringing Odo in a little sooner. But nonetheless, I think it's a really well handled episode and a great setup of this villain and the situation uh, I give it a, a 7.5. Six. Uh-huh. Five would be average. Six would be a little better than average. I, I guess I'll give it a six for okay. the performances. I think the performances are really good in the episode. Uh, but it is that sort of like that this is like my this is a fault of me and and not the writing or the tone but like there is like a there's a tunnel that some of ds9 exists in yeah that i have no a wormhole if you will yeah and i have no like patience for it huh and it is boring it's a boringness that I i have no i have no patience for when i find ds9 boring the religious stuff the religious stuff, the uh, PTSD stuff, uh, it's like all the all the I'm trying to figure out how to describe it. All the Bajoran centric societal stuff kind of right. is a snooze to me right i think that we're, we're hitting a place where it's like seems like a pattern between us we're like when they go into the kind of uh i don't know why i'm going to playhouse 90 which was far before my time but like the sort of old-timey television kind of you know we're doing a theatrical presentation and it's like just talky but great performances and like I'm into it. <laughs> like, yeah, it's great. What a great performance. What a great bunch of dialogue. Like, uh, and you're like, and it's it's not holding your attention unless there's something more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's where I'm at with it. That's fair. Sorry, everybody. I hope there's not a ton more emails next week about... I'll, I'll do a... I'll try and do a better job. How much I didn't like this. I'm I mean, reading through them. No, it's not a problem. I don't mind hearing from people, when the, especially when the overwhelming consensus is the same. Well, you're allowed to have your perspective, Matt. Meh. It's not any more valid than anybody else's. I didn't say it was more valid than anybody else's. I just said you're entitled to it. It's like, Matt, it's like you refer to the the wormhole as a celestial temple, and we have to respect that, even Thank if we you. don't teach it in school. Yeah, and I don't need you to teach it in school, because I'm teaching it in my Sunday class. <laughs> With your and that's with how your, the world and that's how the world should function. Your Sydney Opera House hat. Oh, I've I've a uh, triple Sydney Opera House hat. <laughs> it's like nine 
Oh, wow. Those things. Yeah. Wow. It's really crazy. Um, but it keeps the sun out. It's, you know, I don't like, I run hot, so. Sure. I don't want the sun in my face. I get Thanks, it. Thanks, Sydney Opera House. Disengage.